if you heard Mark, if the recording started as Mark was saying that, then uh, you have <laughs> you've you've welcomed yourself to Hotline League episode one eighty eight, as Mark is hyping up the episode uh, for all of I'm you. Myself up. Yes, yes. Uh, we are recording this on Tuesday the seventh because normally we do stuff on Monday, but of course we had Labor Day here in the states, and Mark messaged me encouraging me about the ethical reasons to um, honor Labor Day by push, pushing the show a day. Uh, and I and I couldn't I disagree with happening. him. I couldn't disagree with him. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was, I was in the car with Ashley and like we were doing errands and like it was still like four o'clock, you know, like I could have made it if I wanted to. But I was like, nothing, like, there's nothing timely we need to cover. So fuck it, let's just push it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I thought that in the in the extra 24 hours, we would find a guest for the show, but everybody is mega checked out right now. Uh, and so... Fiji's here instead of... He's not preparing for Worlds, and he's not actually on the show. It's 7 o'clock on a Tuesday. How is he supposed to be preparing for Worlds? There's no scrims to be had right now. Solo queue shut down on Tuesdays at 7? It's North America solo queue. It's all the pro players are. are I'm taking sure up. he's in like a thirty minute queue right now. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, thank you to Alienware and GameFuel for sponsoring the show. Uh, also, just a little show note: we will be. I stopped solo queue for Travis's show. Says Fudge. Uh, thank you, Fudge. Uh, we will be not having an episode next week uh, because, as we are discussing. Mark, you are aware of this. You and I have had this discussion previously. Um, but it's a bit of a break for everyone, So, uh, and there's not going to be much to talk about. So enjoy this episode for the next two weeks. We'll see you after after that. But speaking of things to not talk about, there's there's actually a couple things. So Iceland has been reported and like not officially confirmed, but likely is the case uh, by Dot Bloop over there uh, said it's Iceland and I think either uh, Horizon or Dot, I didn't, I didn't catch the original source on it, uh, was also giving dates. I think it's supposed to start somewhere around October 5th. Uh, I think your internet's 6th. shitting out because you keep dropping for me for a little bit. I don't have any dropped frames on my side. It's just on Discord. I don't think side. it's me because I have the stream up and I'm not getting stream Maybe lag. Maybe the uh, Discord server is, is struggling. Um, Twitch, Twitch chat, you guys are... It's, somebody says, I think it's Mark. You're on Wi-Fi, I assume. Of course, but I'm yeah. always on Wi-Fi. Well, um, I'm just checking to make sure that my audio and everything is going through okay. No, I bet it's just Discord shitting a brick. Because okay. bo like, both of us are doing other things on the internet, fine. Well, if it, if it keeps being a thing, I can try to switch the server. Anyway, there are some Whatever. stuff. So there's the Iceland stuff, there's the dates. Uh, I don't know, maybe there's some people that are going to be upset about no audience or something i don't know uh captain flowers did a lengthy post a twit longer which you know i wish was a medium post but uh talking about how he will not be at worlds i think there's been some discussion around that um and of his of his own accord because he's been having a tough couple of years like so many of us so um looking forward to his catch-up streams though i think those will be fun uh, and then, and then I don't know. There, I guess there's been some rumors around the the G two stuff. LZK and LPL wrapped up. I don't know if Mark or I have the uh, strength to be able to uh, the expertise to be able to comment too much on that. Uh, Caps resigns for one year. 
I haven't uh, done my prep yet. I have to prep. I am doing something for Worlds, but I uh, I don't want to I don't want to prep yet. I'm trying okay. to be a potato ass. Are you? We can have this. Tell me if we need to have this discussion later. But are you going to be in LA for Worlds? I don't know what I'm supposed to say yet. Okay. So I'm gonna dodge that question. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Well, let's we can follow up about it offline at some point in time because we need to figure out how. Yeah. If you're going to Berlin, I will consider going to Berlin. Let's put it that way. Um, because I've, I've been, I, I don't know. Shox was trying well, to convince me to go. Let's have a board game night with you, me and Kobe and Ash. And we'll, uh, we'll talk about it. Okay. Okay. So because there's not too much to talk about tonight. Yeah. I'm looking at the front page. Dude. It's fucking nothing but G2 rumors and like Vex and random stuff. St. Vicious is in the chat right now. He says League of Legends pog. Thank you. Uh, Saint it shows Vicious up for the most by. boring episode. No, you it's not the most boring episode. It's going to be a you sick episode. Let me, let me make this episode spicy right now. I watched Shang-Chi. I oh, no spoilers, lot. please, because I haven't seen it. I'm not going to... Oh, so I'll, I'm not going to spoil... I know, you, Mark, your definition of spoilers are often very uh, conservative, I guess is the best way of putting it or something. Like you, you think unless you were spoiling the major plot point at the end... That it's not a spoiler. Maybe just say if you liked it or not. Well, I'm going to give my thoughts. Because, like, I have to elaborate a little bit because I'm on the controversial end. I liked it a lot. It was my favorite Marvel movie I've seen in a long time. I really enjoyed it um, in the moment. And, like, I had more fun watching it than I had a lot of recent stuff. I liked it more than Loki, more than Winter Soldier and Falcon, some of the other movies, like... I actually really, really liked it. And I like the martial arts instead of like just CGI porn. Um, I, that doesn't do a lot for me. So I, I liked it. I really liked it. But there's a lot of like things that in hindsight, as I was talking about with Ashley, like we're actually like breaking it down, that there's like a lot of not great writing parts um, that are make me go, eh, when I think more about it. Uh, but the actors are really good and they carry it. Um, so it's like the cinematography and the fighting. And, and the actual, like, dialogue is all really good. So it's not like all the writing's bad, but just, like, there's, like, a part. There's some parts of it where you're like, wait, that's actually not great. Uh, well, I... And all finished... I see is universal praise, and it blows... I'm like, are people just not... They, I don't know why, why people don't have anything other than universal praise for it. I finished Mass Effect Legendary Edition. I just want to give a shout-out to Bioware, because I know they did this a long time ago, but... Uh, I'm not going to give you any spoilers, but people, including myself, were very, very disappointed with the ending uh, whenever Mass Effect 3 came out. And Legendary Edition obviously includes all the DLC that they added to that game afterwards to help flesh out the ending and some of the extra stuff that they did or whatever. And uh, it was much, much, much more satisfying uh, this time around. So I thought they did a decent job. Still obviously not a huge fan of some of the decisions they made, but... Uh, at the very least, they made those decisions like feel 10 better. Ten years, you can talk about it if you want. No, because I think there's a lot of people who are who didn't play it the first round because maybe they were, I don't know, too young to play it, or they, I don't know. There's people in their early 20s who were like 12 when the game came out. If your guys are still waiting to play Mass Effect Three, no, 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 no. chill, 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 chill. There's <laughs> well, some people chill? that are still this playing through. There's I the the. The achievement when I got the when I beat it, the achievement was only twenty percent unlocked on Steam for people who had beaten the whole thing. So, 
Yeah, uh, but that was the the remake version, which are mostly. I would. I wonder what portion of people who bought that game are fans returning versus new players. I think there's a decent amount of new players from what what I've seen online, uh, because a lot of people thought like, oh, maybe, um, maybe we can get into it. I don't know. But uh, that's been the thing that I did this week. Yeah. I, I kind of cover mine. The Bachelor episode that just aired that I watched, Bachelor in Paradise. Man, those people are fucking awful people. They are such shitty people. Brendan and Piper. It's unbelievable how awful they are. They like, it's a show about going on, you know, finding love on a beach. And there's like, you could, you could fall in love with anyone and giving a bunch of people a crack. They, they were dating before the show and like, the guy got there first so he had to like fake start a relationship with someone to stay around long enough for his actual girlfriend to show up and like most people at least have the common sense like while they're mic'd up to not admit to this kind of shit and they're just like yeah well i had to play the game you know and just like fessing up to all of it unbelievable isn't all this stuff fairly scripted anyway no not really i don't know i mean what they do is like as I understand it, the producers just like know what's going on in their lives and then they just throw people in at the most inopportune times to create drama. I don't know. I've already struggled with reality TV in terms of how much to buy into it. The reality well, I mean, of the reality TV. You buy in It's like you you buy into fictional shows. Do you not? Even if <laughs> True. <laughs> You're playing fucking Mass Effect, dude. It's I, not real. I, yes, I guess I'm you? just saying it's I. A lot of the appeal <laughs> of reality TV shows is the reality aspect of it. But if I don't necessarily buy the reality aspect of a lot of these shows, then like they somewhat did lose buy, the appeal. Did you buy that Commander Shepard wasn't a real human being? Did you ever? Did you play all the Mass Effect games? I played one and two. I didn't play three after I heard it sucked ass. Oh, or the well. ending did. Maybe I'll get you Legendary Edition for your birthday. I'm not going to play it. You know? Oh, you know what else I'm doing? Ashley's making me play uh, Resident Evil 4 for the first time. Wow. She just likes uh, to make you play scary stuff because she likes scary stuff. Well, she also played... It's like, you know, like everyone has like that game in their childhood. Yeah. Like Mass Effect for you. Like that's... Like Resident Evil 4 is one of those games for her. Yeah. Uh, Best game of we, all time. It's I'm enjoying that game despite how fucking awful the controls are, which says a lot about how good that game is. While we shoot the shit, uh, Mark, I should say because people are probably coming up with questions or or topics or whatever things to say. It's open mic night or open line night. Open mic is a little different. I think that's more music oriented. But open lines on the show means like we're opening up the lines to whoever to talk about whatever. So. Uh, there's not a specific thing. You can have a world's take. You can have an LCS take or something like that. I mean, presumably they will be League of Legends esports related. But uh, these these episodes where there's not much going on and Mark and I don't have a guest, it is oftentimes fun because sometimes people come up with like wild things, you know, where they're like, ah, League should uh, go be played on the moon or something. I have no idea, but. Best of luck to Mark just sorting through everyone's weird and hot takes over the course of however long the chat populates those, which it looks like he's probably looking at now for the first time. I wasn't paying attention to all the Twitch chat. Or I was paying attention to Twitch chat. I wasn't paying attention to what people are writing in here. Nice. Well, uh, shout out to the EG folks. I saw Kelsey and Peter Dunn in the chat. Good to see you guys. Hope hope you're doing well, Peter Dunn. If you are still in the chat, are you staying in LA or are you going 
where are you going these days in the in the off season? I don't even know what your your life is like. That's the interesting thing is I don't I don't I never know if people are. <clears throat> oh my oh, god! This I, amber alert. Yeah, I got an amber alert. Silver too. alert. Both of our phones popping off at the same time. Uh, anyway, it's always interesting to me during these times because I don't know who sticks around and who goes back to another country um, or a different continent. Peter Dunn says, NLA Helping Academy. Nice. Okay. Very good. Well, hopefully there'll, there'll be some people around. Uh, Mark, did you pull any takes yet? You're still bruising. No, I haven't. Going to them. Okay. Well, I just, I will, I'm, just, I'm just not in love with any of these. I will fill. Like, why don't you pull a take, dude, instead of filling? How about I fill? You just pull some takes. Let's okay. swap it around. It's open okay, mic okay, night, okay. as you said. Okay. I saw Twitch chat debating open mic. I think there's a lot of different uses of it. Like some people talk about stand-up comedy. I think open mic in a sense means that anyone can hop on the mic and it's less about the topics. Like I don't think you could go to a comedy club open mic night and start just singing for fun. Whereas there's some places where it's an open mic and that's exactly what you're supposed to do. So this isn't really an open mic. I guess it's no more open mic in that sense than it, it usually is. It's more the topics that are broadening out. Um, okay. You know, shout people off the mic. Yeah, we should do a, 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 an episode where Travis has someone program a thing, and as soon as someone's approval rating drops below 10%, they get yeeted out of here. Uh, I just feel like Twitch chat would like make everyone's approval ratings go low all the time. Built-in buffer of like two minutes. Um... So that way at least there would be a little bit. You got okay. a G2 take, dude? Ugh. What if I told you I didn't care about G2? Well, it's not just world. a G2 take. Well, you so, can't, no, so, okay, so you, Mark, you can't ask me to pull the takes, and then when I pull no, them, I you're like, oh, you else. pulled no, this person? I was talking to Twitch chat. I don't even I don't even hear you right now. Someone in Twitch chat said, I got you all a G2 take. I was talking to that guy, not you. If you have a G2 take, dude, I'd love it. I love your G2 takes. Okay, okay, hang on. I've got, I've got two... Two, maybe we'll do the uh, the the double collar situation um, because I've got two that are kind of playing off each other. Um, okay. Wow, guys, come on, give us more takes, everyone. More takes, more takes. Subtopics? Yeah, I haven't looked at subtopics. Keep 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 what keep the takes going. I did look just at start, subtopics, but just start pulling at random. That's what I do. I actually just close my eyes and pull. Yeah. If you want to, how does that even why. work from a computer perspective? You just like kind of press tab. I don't know. It starts cycling. Oh, I've got somebody. On hang on. Screen. Don't. I I hope you're not looking because in some sense I want you to be surprised by these because no, I'm not looking at anything. I think I'm you're just gonna pressing tab. You're gonna get pissed uh, off about. Oh, that's a good one too. Two callers enter one leave. We did do a debate once with Mahmood and J and T. I don't know. Yes. Who well, I think was. we're gonna start that off with. Uh, with the the first and third caller that are in the waiting room if you want to go check we can out. talk about book stuff yeah i mean if you put a book take in there and i like it maybe we'll pull you on no are you excited about wheel of time show i'm super excited that that trailer left a little bit for me to be desired have you seen the trailer no, travis i am not i'm not excited about it but let's let's why get not? into the callers wait why not well, I'm not excited about it. Okay, somebody pointed this it's, out to it's me. It's 722. We're not in a rush. Somebody um, pointed this out to me. The audiobook of Wheel of Time if you if you get all the audiobooks, 19 days of audio is Wheel of Time. 
Lord of the Rings is like two and a half days. So I just worry that they will not be able to do that. That I think that that book series is too big to be turned into a television series. You're reading a book series right now that's 400,000 words a book and 10 books long. And you're, you're I'm not like, even, oh, yeah. I'm not sure if... You, you know nothing about this series, and you're like, I don't know if they can adapt. I'm not sure if Stormlight Archive should, would be a good uh, television series. Like, you, you think that they could do each of these books in a single season? Yeah, in theory. Sure. I don't know. You There's asked so me... Much... You, you insisted to get my take, Mark, and now I've given it to you, and you're upset no, about it. No, I'm glad. It. No, I love that you gave me your take. I just think your take is shit. Okay, well, and that's why that's the beauty of this show is that we give our takes and we debate them, dude. It's it's a fourteen book series. Of course, they're gonna trim stuff down. I just it's, it's I've the not first season. I've not, not heard good things about which? about Wheel of Time anyway. So I, I like I don't I didn't plan to ever read it. I mean, you haven't read Wheel of Time. I watched the trailer. Did you watch the trailer? No. So, okay. You okay, have Mark, you insisted about... I talk about this thing that I didn't think was worth I talking I'm, about. I'm glad, Mark, I'm glad you pull did. the I'm collars. Just... Hold on. It's 724. What's the rush? It's... Okay, Mark is off getting the next caller. Uh, or the first caller. Uh, we'll get uh, Gaiden TV. Thank you for the 33 months. I don't know if he's realized I put him on a different channel yet. The Real Diver for the seven months and Botman for the 12. Uh, appreciate everybody who has subbed. Thank you to, uh, where are we? Uh, Gaming for the Weekend, Lieutenant Shiny Sides, Bruise 5G, Flare CSTV, Yeshua, The High Ground, VG is G. Uh, thank you, everyone, for the subs. That's very nice. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure Mark was still, for the audio listeners, Mark was still... You know what's uh, funny, Travis? What? You, your plan backfired so hard. I thought you pulled someone in the on-air into our channel. I didn't realize you moved me because I wasn't looking at Discord. Okay. So my rant just continued into the waiting room that I just unleashed on all the people in the waiting room who were totally fucking confused. But then they started talking with me about the Wheel of Time. And I just started having a better conversation with them. One of can them you... told me it sucked because his English teacher could, like, couldn't get through it, you know? And I was can, like, hey, Can you pull the first and the third people of the waiting room? Yeah, sure. I don't know why you sent me in there in the middle of a rant. I'm not looking at Discord over what's happening. Uh, hello. So, we are joined... Uh, by Big Angry Hobo. Uh, we've got two people. Big Angry Hobo, why don't you introduce yourself? Where are you calling from? Hey, I'm um, Big Angry Hobo. I'm calling from Akron, Ohio. And you've been on the show before previously, right? Yes, I have. And Tom Solomid returning to the show. Remind everyone where you're calling from. I'm calling from Buffalo, New York right now. Okay, so I believe Big Angry Hobo, I pulled you first, right? Uh, yeah. Yes. Okay. I think so, for my first take, I put that. I'm assuming. Uh, it was a a G two take. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So why don't you go for it, and then we'll see why Tom Solomon is here. So I personally think that with everything going on with TSM and G two both failing to make worlds this year, uh, I think there's going to be a lot of changes. I, I know this is an off season take, but I personally think that Reckless is not going to stay on G two. 
even though I personally think Reckless performed pretty well, like fairly well on G2, I just think with Caps being on the team and everything, I think that they're going to look to get rid of Reckless. And I think Carlos is going to do the same thing he did with uh, Perks and uh, not want him to go to another uh, European team and will probably end up sending Reckless to NA if he can. And I think TSM will replace Loss with Reckless. That's my personal opinion. I think I personally think that'd be good for G2. I know a lot of people think it might not be the best, but I think that Reckless would fit in in a new environment, especially with he's been having struggles over the last couple of years. He even took that break when ADCs were not doing very well. So I think the new environment would be well, and I think TSM would be pretty a decent spot to play, put him in, especially so since what, they sometimes play around bot. What other roster change does TSM make in order to to bring Reckless in? That's, that's a good question. Um, is Would that be a third import then, right? Yeah, Lost is in evil. his... Sorry, go I ahead. I believe that Power of Evil is getting his green card. Yeah, I thought uh, Power of Evil was about to be resident next season. Is Huni a resident? Huni's a resident. Okay. Yeah, Huni is a resident. Okay, so then they, I, th they... I think they have a free import slot. They don't have to make a change. I gotcha. could be wrong. Okay, okay, okay. Um, so Big Angry Hobo, do you think... A couple follow-up questions. One, do you think Reckless will want to do this? Um... I think Reckless will want to go somewhere that he can be successful on, and I think that if uh, Reggie can make the, like, if Reggie can have a good enough team around him, I think he would be down to it. I think Reckless would love to play with Sword Art. Uh, I personally think that he thinks, I would hope that he thinks it's going to be a great lane to play in. And uh, I think Power Evil did well enough to be considered a good enough mid lane, and Hooney's, Hooney, he's, when he's on, he's really on, and speak is the best jungler we have, so... I think he'd be well. I don't see a reason why he would think it's a bad team to be on. Gotcha. Okay. Tom Solomon, why don't you tell us the take that you put into the chat? So my take was that TSM should not import Reckless and look towards importing a mid laner like Chovy or Knight. Okay. What do you want to follow up? Why do you think not Reckless? It's not necessarily against um, importing Reckless himself. Like I think that if, reckless were to go to na he'd instantly be the best ad carry but i just don't think that ad carry is the position that tsm or is the position that tsm should be looking to import i think that if you look at both non-korean teams which won worlds in the past or since season three both of them had import solo laners that were like considered possibly the best of the tournament and i don't think that importing reckless is going to win that many more games for TSM because obviously going from loss to reckless is going to win you a lot more games but I just think that going from like power of evil to Chovy is going to win you a lot more games than that okay Mark and I will share our opinions after you guys have a brief discussion about this because uh, we got to make this episode spicy so big angry hobo uh, why why do you think that Tom Solomon is wrong, or what do you think of his take? Uh, I think he actually has a decent take, but I don't think TSM could ever even get Chovy uh, or any. I don't think they can import someone that's better than what they have currently. Um, I I don't think the the team around them would be good enough for someone to want to come to a TSM team for, especially from Chovy already has doesn't he have a uh, they have a great contract in Korea already. I doubt they'd want to leave. Um, uh, so I don't think you could get a mid laner imported that would want to like agree to the contract unless you're paying out another insane amount of money like Sword Art. And I don't think TSM wants to 
now have the apparent $11 million sword art and then however much it's going to cost to import someone really good over here on the chance of them not making worlds again. Whereas I think Reckless would be expensive, but I don't think that he would uh, cost as much money as like a Perks uh, or a Chovy or someone like that. Tom? I also think that's a fair thing to say, but um, I think that Chovy's on Hanwha life right now. That's not, you know, a T1 or a Gen G or even like a Damwon. He's there right now for the money, and also he can't get onto a better team. And you say that um, Reggie doesn't want to spend the money on a player like Chovy or Knight, but this is Reggie we're talking about. Didn't he go on like the Hotline League chat and say like, our support costs more than like, you know, half the league's budget or whatever. He's the type of guy to just like buy a player like Chovy and then just brag about it, not even caring about results. I definitely think Reggie cares about results. Uh, but yes, I remember the episode where he came on and said how he has the most expensive roster and accidentally leaked. He had POE and everything. Uh, that was that was pretty funny. But I guess what I'm saying is I, I think it'd be, it would cost, I, I think even for Reggie, it would be too much of an investment for the amount of money they'd have to pay to import someone in mid that's better than what they currently have whereas i think it's a lot easier than for to get a better ad carry uh, i think power of evil did fine in the league and i think lost was probably the weakest link of the team okay so i'll oh, go ahead tom i was gonna say i do think that lost should be replaced i just think that if you replace lost with a different na ad carry from like either academy or like even i think that tsm missed out on just promoting cody sun to the main roster but that's besides the point I just think that especially with this new FTX deal where they have an extra 21 million a year to, you know, throw around the org, obviously not all $21 million are going to go towards the league team. I doubt that most of it or even a, a significant portion of it is going to go to the league team. But TSM has the cash flow. Chovy almost went to Evil Geniuses either last year or two years ago. I can't remember what it is. I would be very surprised if... Um, if TSM gave Chovy like an insane offer, like five million a year, if he, I would doubt that he would turn it down. Okay, so that was Tom talking just now. The pro reckless indi individual in the call is Big Angry Hobo. I've got a poll that's going up right now, uh, to so that people can vote on which of them they agree with, or if they agree with neither of them. Meanwhile, Mark and I will give our takes on this. Mark, you wanna you wanna throw in there? Seen a little score sheet as uh, as they were talking. I was, oh, you, had, I was, no, you had a, a sheet. I was, I was making notes and I was giving pluses and minuses on on points. Uh, I mean, I think a big crux for me that that you both kind of hit on was like the realisticness of such a move, because in theory, you're the smartest GM in the world if you're like, well, I'll just get Faker and ruler and um the shy and you know like if you can just get everyone over here you know and uh i'll just buy out fbi to be my you know <laughs> like you have to be realistic with your actual roster building and i feel like some of the moves suggested by tom are stretching that i think you know chovy is way more realistic than knight i haven't heard anything about knight wanting to leave lpl um Yes, Kelsey, the shy sucks right now, I know, but I was I was struggling to think of a top laner that I want to hype up. Um, but I just don't see a world that Knight's coming over. Chovy is like a maybe, uh, but just it's still it still seems like a big ask. Uh, some of the points I do agree with, though, is that Reckless to Lost is a big upgrade and might be enough. You to mean Lost to Reckless? You. 
<laughs> Sorry, yes, lost G two pick it up lost uh, it uh, for a from TSM. <laughs> uh, yeah, it would be it would be a big upgrade. It would, it would win them more games, and you know that was kind of a concession that you both made. But if your goal is international success, I feel like your solo lanes still have a lot of issues, uh, and would have those issues internationally. Um, and just getting lost to get replaced if you think he's the weakest link doesn't fix the whole entire lineup. Um, so I, I kind of think, I kind of think I, I side more with Tom here. I would rather see TSM spend their resources in other areas than, than just the bot lane position. So I, I, the, the poll results, which just disappeared, uh, but they were mostly in favor of big angry hobo. Then number two was neither people. Unfortunately, Tom placed you third on the on the agreeing with side. I think I'm going to agree with neither of them because I don't think that importing, I don't think it's very realistic to be able to import those folks. Even if you could, I worry a little bit about like, I remember, what was it? TSM way back in the day seemed to go very anti um, just importing folks because they're good and focused more on like, the ability to communicate within the team and the ability to, I don't know, these, these other things rather than just like, let's go out and get like the best mid laner in LCK or LPL. So I, I, it's hard for me to imagine them doing it. I also just like, they went big this year and it kind of wasn't enough. So I really worry about a takeaway for them being like, let's just go big again. On the other hand, I, I love yeah, reckless see, on that point about they went big this year. Financially, you're not wrong. But in terms of performance, even heading into the year, would you say that they had the best player in any position? No. Which is kind of like where I, I agree with Tom a little bit here. And, and you know, maybe even Big Inger Hobo. It's like, yeah, in terms of actual money spent, it was big. But it wasn't like they got the hands-down best mid laner, the hands-down best top laner, any anything, right? Like, they got a bunch of really good players, and they almost made Worlds. You know, I don't want to downplay many... like, like they were super far away, but, like, it it wasn't... Yeah, Spica was good, but heading into the year, you wouldn't have said that Spica was going to be a top-two jungler. And and even then, in playoffs, he got outperformed by multiple junglers. Like, Closer had a better playoffs than him. Uh, Santorin had a better playoffs than him. Spica was really good, don't get me wrong. But he's the only one on the, on the roster that you can even put in that conversation currently. How many times has TSM been to World since 2018? Uh, it's once. Just the one, the zero. Just six. the one, right? Yeah. So at this point, are they even looking for international success or just to make it internationally in the first place? Because I don't think with, you're picking like, up Sword Art if you are not looking for international success. Exactly, but and it still didn't work. My like, I guess what I'm saying is it's all about the realism thing too. Like, but if if Reckless is offered to TSM, do you turn it down? Because I see that happening a lot more. I, I don't know if that's the right or the best play in their situation. I just see this as something that will could likely happen. Because I don't see you turning down that unless you somehow have a better import for a solo lane. Because if they can get a better import for a solo lane, I'm actually on Tom's take as well. If you can do that, that is the better option. But I'm, I guess I'm talking about what I think will happen and not what the best choice is or the best possible outcome is. Because I don't think you turn down Reckless if you're able to get that, again, unless you somehow have Faker lined up, for example. 
I'm a little... Again, I, I love Reckless, and I would love to have him come to North America. I'm a little... Skeptical, I think, after the G2 year. Um, and, like, there's always been these rumors about sort of his manner in a team and his attitude. And I really wonder if that would be a reason to be a little nervous if you are TSM. I mean, quite frankly, like, I know that this is going to be an, a very unpopular take, but I would almost rather TSM... Uh, Obviously not go to like Golden Guardians level development, but try to do something similar to what Hunter T did, which is like I don't know if Match you need up to keep some talent on a poor org. <laughs> yeah, right. Like who are who are like do you bring a Blaze Olive back? Do you um I don't know, do you, who do you who's out there? Do you try to acquire Danny? I don't know if you if you could, but do you try to acquire Danny? Like are there I, I'm almost down to say, like, hey, let's go away from the Sword Art situation and from the big-budget roster, and let's try to get in here with something that's a little bit more mid-level. Because I just... I don't know. It just feels like such a waste, uh, what they're doing right now. And and to Mark's point, maybe the, the answer is, like, just go even bigger, like, in terms of spend. Like, it wasn't enough. Juice it up even more. But I... When you're you're, you're kind of cutting out, Mark. What was that? Sorry, I was saying that was the Team Liquid approach. Like It wasn't like they just... I mean, they spent a lot of money that first year to get Poe Belter and like Ole and Smithy and all these people. But, you know, since then they've cycled and they've tried to keep signing big names over and over again. And I would say largely their rosters got better, you know? Yeah, but they are... Uh, I, I don't know the exact numbers, but I think they're within the same range that they've spent for the last three years this year like they the everybody like cloud nine and tsm both surpassed them in terms of spend and so it's not and they they're going to worlds is number two obviously they got smashed by 100 thieves but like when you look at the three biggest spenders in the league right now uh team liquid beat all all the other two so i like it doesn't feel like to me it's a, a lot of of the spending that's I just mean that, like, you know, you're talking about scaling down. I'm saying just keep the status quo of spending, uh, trying to find upgrades. Like, Alfari for impact, contract wise, as I understand, it was not like an upgrade or like super a bigger, more expensive. Yeah, 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 yeah. But like, I think a lot of people say that was an upgrade, even if they didn't. You know, they won with impact, they didn't with him. You can you can debate it for for what it's worth. I'm not saying it's 100 right. So you're like, saying like, if they're paying lost 200 grand, go find somebody else who's better than him for 250 700 or yeah or like that or oh you want to do or... 700 oh boy well if, if that's what you're paying i mean right now in the current state of the league as i understand it, 200 is a cheap contract yeah yeah but i assume lost like the i think the average is like 350 or 400 i'd, I'd be surprised if loss is sitting at 300 or 400 so do we know what reckless i just sub. Oh, i'm sorry i don't know what reckless is making sorry what were you gonna say tom solomon yeah i just wanted I, I, this has just been on like my mind i i like, I just wanted to say this real quick when it comes to, like, saying that TSM obviously did spend big. It wasn't like they, you know, like, went cheap or anything. But Power of Evil was, like, what, the second or third best mid laner in NA, like, last year. And then Huni was, like, people were very, very down on Huni, not rating him that highly whatsoever. So I wouldn't, I don't think it's necessarily fair to say that going for Chovy compared to Power of Evil is, like, the same going big. Because Chovy is not just, you know, the best mid laner in LCK. He's arguably best mid laner in the world. I know that 
maybe not best, but he's at least top three. Yeah. I think uh, to that point, if you can swing it, you know, I'd swing it. But Oh, my God. That's just so but... terrifying to imagine the, the spend at that point in time. Like, <laughs> I mean, I know they've got the FTX stuff, but, like, you have to really – Oh my God! It's so five million a year, Travis. Get ready for I it. I don't. I don't think it's. It's gonna easy be for me to say yes. Just say yes, Travis. It's not your money. Just spend it. Just spend it in this fake scenario. God, I just. I mean, uh, there's a lot of there's some over. people that have been coming out recently Wins. that I've seen some comments and stuff like that that are like, "Who cares how much people spend? Like, it's exciting and fun and whatever." And I'm like, I care because. Uh, I don't. I don't want TSM to be the next Pets.com. That's a reference for anybody. I'm, I'm the guy in the big short who's selling real estate and having the time of his life up yeah. until he's attending a How to Make Money Again council. And, uh, That's me. A- Andy Den is the. that money. Let's go. Andy Den is the exotic uh, dancer with what three or four homes or something in Florida. Yeah, I'm very. I thought he was going to be the guy making the CDOs. I don't know. <laughs> It's just, yeah, I, I'm going to Andy Den. He's like, oh, yeah. how about, I'm like, how many incredibly expensive imports do you have? And he's like... You're he's, Mark Baum. You're yeah. Steve Carell's character going up to him right now trying to do the math on what yeah. his imports are costing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Okay, well, either way, uh, I I don't think they should go with either. Mark seems to think uh, Big Angry Hobo... Or, sorry, Tom Solomid's Chovy plan is, is the way to go. And uh, I'm sure that Big Angry Hobo will actually end up being right because Reckless to TSM sounds like one of the most North American things I've I've heard in some time. So either way, thank you, Tom Solomon and Big Angry Hobo. Any shout-outs? We'll start with Hobo. Uh, I just want to shout-out the usual shout-outs of, you know, Alienware and Game Fuel. Those things are both great. I actually bought an Alienware monitor a long time ago once you guys switched over to them as a sponsor. And nice. uh, I do enjoy me some Game Fuel every once in a while. Uh, I, I do like the Zero Sugar version. Uh, I, I can say it was good. You told me you hadn't tried the one, and I, I can say it was pretty good. Yeah, Mark has always liked it, so um, I, th- sugar, I, I know calorie. I know for the people looking for that. Oh, yeah, Zero also. Calorie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's both, by the way. Um, either way, thank you, uh, Big Angry Hobo. And Tom Solomon, how about you? I'd just like to give a shout-out to Andy Din. Go for gold. Get that Chovy. I believe in you. Five mil a year contract. Let's do it. Very good. I'm sure he'll listen to this this weekend. Uh, take your advice. Thanks you. Thank you both for the call, and it was fun having both of you guys uh, chat. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, so uh, we have another caller, which we'll do, and then we'll take a break, I think, is the plan. What's up, Mark? I was going to say, did you see my Skype message? Uh, I will check it right now. I had to. I have to shoot you a message, too. I said, if, I'll just say it. If you want to send me the sub shout outs, I can handle them while you pull people. If we want to just swap roles tonight, and I can be the filler. Well, I don't I want thoughts. to go do the, the audio stuff. If if you were able to maintain the, the thing. Right. But it, I, I, can, I can do the mic checking a little bit, but. Well, how do you do earlier. sub shout outs if I'm in a different room doing the mic check? Or you're That's just saying. That's for you to figure out. I, yes, there's some technical limitations here, Mark, that perhaps you've not thought through. No, um, I did not think these through. Uh, fuck. All right, fine. But you should keep pulling people. Okay. And if you I'll, have any I'll time, keep, I can fill. I'll, I'll, I'll keep pulling people. Um, all right. Where are we? <laughs> T-Bone, thank you for the sub. Blue Frost, Shamanism, Big Angry Hobo for gifting the community sub. Team Corgi Mid, Ian Moonfish, Krillas. I know I've read some of these before. The Noblet, Retro Paint, Lesbomancy, uh, Gaiden TV, The Real Divert, Botman, Smoke Dog, 
Ricky Rico Suave and Cool Open is here. Cool Open, where are you calling from? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Before we go, this is just a random thing about The Big Short. Fucking love that movie. One of my favorite movies. Watched it a million it's times. So good. Um, but the actual, uh, I don't know where the breakdown was in the production, but it's really incongruous. Like they will take shots from wherever they want in a scene and slap them together, and the continuity is just all over the place. Oh, and you're I saying the know... editing's not great. Well, so I don't know if it's the editor's fault because if you shoot a dialogue sequence that doesn't really work and you have to reorder it in post, that's not really the editor's fault. Um, but if you watch the Margot Robbie scene, she'll like snatch something in two shots in a row. Um, if you watch the scene where uh, Ryan Gosling's character is breaking down the sequence for the first time, the Jenga pieces are like already all over the board after he just built it and then he has to smash it again. And then like, it, it's just all over the place in a lot of different scenes. And it just like doesn't fucking matter because it's a great movie. But uh, it's just a little note for people. Somewhere there's some really weird production <clears throat> stuff in that movie. And then when Vice wasn't as good, I don't know, there's like, you know, maybe a little bit of writing on the wall if you watch the big short closer. Hey, quick a quick question or favor to ask people, by the way, if you're typing in the so the sub subtopics chat. I don't know, Mark, you've never mentioned this to me, but now I'm I'm seeing it. People are now just arguing with each other about each other's takes. Like I need, I need takes, people. I don't need to read you guys going back and forth about whether or not Chovy's a good idea I'll or whatever. Always have to tell people. In, in the subtopics text like channel or the, or the other one, I often have to say, "Hey, stop arguing in here. I don't give a fuck. Take it to general if you guys want to have debate. This is for takes." Uh, so sometimes <laughs> you just gotta drop that one in, in the topics channel, get them to behave. Yeah. Well, either way. Uh, so our next caller is here. Cool, open. Sorry that Mark had to uh, have a discussion about film. Uh, well, I was trying to introduce you. Do you want to let everybody know where you're calling from? Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm calling from Madison, Wisconsin. Madison, Wisconsin. What do you want to talk about on the show? Uh, so I want to talk about stats in League of Legends. Yes. Um, I'll just read my take verbatim, and then we can talk about it more loosely. Yeah, after, go for but... it. Uh, the community's obsession around stats has become unhealthy. We should stop using them as a primary metric to judge players. Unlike traditional sports, League of Legends is not only relatively new, but also convoluted due to a sheer number of variables that impact individual statistics. Some examples would be like fasting Senna, counterpick, weak side, strong side, team compositions, and more. Cool. Okay, so you think... So would you throw out stats... When you say they shouldn't be primary, where do you think they should be used? I think they should be used, uh, I mean, I guess it's like a secondary metric. And I think over time, we can maybe develop better stats in League in order to like rate players against one another. But I think currently there are just way too many things that affect stats. So like when I see, this is no personal dig at Mark, but I know Mark you, likes to use stats a lot. That's why I pulled you. So when I, I see like Mark use goes. stats for like a top laner, it's like, oh, such and such top laner is better than the other one because he has, you know, plus 10 CSD of 15 or something. But then you actually look at their games and one of them's playing, I don't know, Shen versus Orn or something. Like matchups that are considered to be really really bad for one side aren't considered when we're looking at grand statistics to debate players against one another who's better all right mark stats suck what's okay. your take uh i mean i don't it's one of these things where there's some truth to the point and so you're just kind of finding a gray area here like a lot of people use stats i use stats all the time 
And I think there's sometimes this misconception that someone using stats isn't also like watching the game. And so like when I rattle off stats, a lot of the times it's a faster way of getting factual information. You know, I put factual air quotes because there's some interpretation of stats that always goes on, but like getting that in front of people quickly while also saying other things. So, you know, there might be a full screen that props up and it might say, Alfari, number one CSD, Alfari, number one forward percent, Alfari, blah, 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 right? And then when you hear what I'm saying, I might be like, he's number one in a ton of categories. He's really good on range champions who are going to push an advantage, take terror plates, build a lead, yada, yada. And I'm saying all the things that he does well. And I feel like that sometimes goes in one ear, out the other, because what people are doing is they're reading the stats and they're getting hit with two informations at once and they're taking the visual one first or only. Um, and I feel like, they also sometimes might think that the words coming out of my mouth are fluff and it's not based on the fact that I've watched every LCS game at least once for the last, actually since LCS existed. <laughs> um, I've never missed an LCS game. So, <laughs> you know, like there, there is this going on that I think uh, because the stats are more digestible to the caller's point, the community and other people latch onto it as well. I, I rarely feel like the... I disagree with people's stats usage all the time too, for what it's worth. Like as someone who loves stats, I argue stats with people, you know, like I don't think there's one right way to take them. Um, so to the caller's point, have there been times where people have used stats poorly on the broadcast, myself included? Absolutely, I'm sure. Um, does that mean I think that there's some fundamental problem with stats and their usage in the league scene? I wouldn't agree with that. So. It's an interesting call because one of the things that has happened recently is like we do run it every week with Tim and it's a stats based show. It's sort of my I at the time whenever I came up with the idea of it, I had been consuming a lot of 538 content around the election last year. And so I wanted to do something that was along those lines. And I felt like Tim was the perfect person where I could I could help combine some of the production resources that TGI can bring to bear and some of the, the statistical stuff. What has happened is people get really angry about the show and think it's really bad whenever the stats argue for something that they disagree with. So one of the perfect examples of this recently was uh, the week before last, I think it was, we did a episode on playoff perks. And Tim had suggested this to me. He's like, I could look into if playoff perks is like a real thing or not. I was like, yeah, that sounds really fun. And then he came back to me the next day. He's like, oh, boy. Okay, well, uh, I like it when it's more positive, but it turns out that none of the stats seem to imply that the playoff perks is a thing. And I'm like, well, you know, we got to do it. It's not like we're going to stop doing it just because, you know, it's that's what the stats imply. And so in that episode, he goes through and he's like, well, here's, here's all the examples of how this stuff, why, why it doesn't work this way or why the stats don't imply that. But maybe the stats don't apply that because he's t facing tougher opponents. Um, but even then, it's not even like he's staying. If, if you expect him to rise to the challenge, at the very least, you would expect the stats to be the same, whereas actually his stats go down a decent amount whenever you get to playoffs. Um, and so then he's like, well, maybe if he's just turning it on and it's like the clutch factor and he's making these great plays, you can look at the amount of times that he's gotten MVP in a series in playoffs or player of the game. And it turns out that that hasn't happened very often. 
And so the conclusion for the run-in episode is like, well, it must just be these intangibles, like his ability to lead the team or whatever, you know, like Tim trying his best to just avoid what was inevitable, which were people being like, how fucking dare you suggest playoff perks is not a thing. You think your stats are such a, a great way, you idiot, blah, 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 blah. So people are very upset about it. And it's like, <clears throat> it's frustrating to me because I think like stats can be a great gut check, right? This narrative, these narratives have form oftentimes and they just take over. A great example is the Jazuke stuff last year where he had, or this year where he had like a, a shit last year and maybe like a rough start. And then the narrative is haha coin flip Jazuke. And then dude, I feel like people, the community was not giving him credit. <laughs> What'd you say? I said that didn't start here. It didn't. It did, yeah. Well, regardless, <laughs> like it was all over the place. And, um, and it wasn't, I feel like, until, like, his story, I feel like, did not change in the eyes of most of the community until he literally got uh, all pro in mid in the in the summer. So I think why I wish, I, I'm worried about a world where we just sort of throw stats out because I think they can be a great gut check against narratives that spawn around players. And, like, I, I don't think that run at episode is ever going to kill the playoff perks thing. But, like, personally, I'm much more skeptical on it. You know, I think it... It might just be a thing where people tend to to buy into it because it's really fun and exciting. And G2's obviously done a lot of great things in playoffs. And maybe it's not because Perks is clutching out all these plays or just dominating in lane or, like, getting all these kills or anything. Yeah. I think um, there's, like, like there's obviously, like, a lot of problems with stats that you can dig into. Any, any stat you can look at. Like, okay, CSD at 15. Well, first off... If you ever look at a player's CSD at 10, 15, 20, there's some sites that you might have to pay to get all, all three. Um, but if you actually look at their all three, there's sometimes wild fluctuations in a player's CSDs where they'll be like plus seven at 10, minus one at 15, and then plus 20 at 20. Um, and it's, it's actually sometimes really arbitrary depending on the story that you're trying to tell. You can say, well, give me the one at 10, say the fuck the one at 15, because I don't want to say he's a good early game player. That's absolutely possible to do. Um, and, you know, there's also these things where like, okay, well, he wins lanes. Well, it, you might want to tell a more nuanced story, and this player is really boom or bust. So, like, Jazuki had the highest CSD in the league on average. But, and I haven't looked into this, but if you did dig into it deeper, you might say, well, let's bucket those. Does he just win really hard or lose really hard and on average ends up higher, but he's actually a really volatile player, which might cause the coin flip narrative, which goes against this average which says he's winning on average because you could be someone who wins by 15 or loses by 10 every single game and that's actually really fucking volatile and you're not winning every laning phase even though you average plus five or something um so so numbers are tricky and you actually have to try and use them well and a lot of people through no fault of their own when working with these numbers and actually trying to do well make mistakes like like anything else um and i think sometimes people fault the numbers when almost every time it's human error or the stat was badly chosen or badly comprised in the first place. And it's not really a problem with the number. And yeah. I can understand why that causes aversion to stats. But that's the, the problem is almost never the stat. It's, it's always the person. Almost well, always. I, I worry a little bit too. Bad. Like KDA, KDA is a, tra a trash stat. It goes on graphics just because to, to, it looks nice. And it's, it's a nice digestible number. But it, it's, it's really like it doesn't fuck. It's so team or influence. It says nothing about an individual performance. You just... If a player is dominating, you throw their KDA on because it's a big number, yay. But, you know, like, no one's actually, like, analyzing KDAs. Redditors are. I've seen that. Uh, yeah. I I think my, part of the other concern I have is just, like, 
I wonder where this newer version to stats has come from because I feel like it's been more and more a thing where people have been pushing back on like stats. And I have a suspicion. I have a suspicion that there are Maybe some fans that listen to somebody on a co-stream say something and then like stats come out and they don't want to they they believe very much in in the voice that they heard this from on some show or some co-stream or something like that and so then they're like well fuck your stats those don't count uh this person said this player is the best or the worst or whatever and like they're such an expert and so screw your stats i don't believe you and like I so I I'm a little worried about this direction where we're going now where it's like the value of a player is so frequently decided, you know, throw out any stats around them, throw whatever around them and and it's just what what is somebody screaming during a team fight say about what the player is doing. Yeah, and I think uh you know, trust your eyes always. I I mean I will recorrect or reorient my opinion on things based off what I see or what the stats say sometimes. Like the stats will tell you where to look sometimes for, for other information. Like a Blaze Olive, I don't think would have started getting hype if he didn't have good stats. And he had good stats because he was playing well. And then you look closer at him and you go, holy shit, this guy's actually playing really well and deserves a lot of credit. But like, I think a lot of people would have been very blind to how well a Blaze Olive was playing if they didn't have, if you just never looked at stats and you just watch them lose game after game and he's struggling to make an impact in a lot of situations because his team was losing a large portion, or at least at the start, you know, like with, with Solo, they was like hot or cold, they weren't winning a ton. Um, but, you know, like, it helps you, like, be alert to something, like, oh shit, this is a trend that's happening, let me look into it more. Um, but I would say, like, that's an example of someone who got... People always talk about the negatives. Like, oh, this person got trashed because of their stats. Or they got overhyped because of their stats. And they're always talking about the negative way. But, like, sometimes, like, what I think turned people onto a Blaze all of first was the fact that when you looked, it was like, wait, he's, like, leading the league or top three in almost every, like, category. Like, how is this possible? You know? And then you actually watch his games closer to, to, to try and verify what, what you're seeing on, on these charts. Why would Closer watch his games? Huh? You said he... you. You watch his games, Closer. You have the worst fucking jokes that contribute nothing and just derail the conversation. Cool open. <laughs> Thank you for the call. Uh, I think Mark and I... Mark, at least, is, is a little bit more open to the idea that like stats are used poorly. But I don't, I don't think either of us really want to downgrade them maybe to the point that you, you want to. So, I don't know. But either way, thank you, Cool Open. Anything you want to shout out? Uh... No, just shout out the show, shout out Game Fuel, shout out Game Fuel, shout out to uh, Alienware, and uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for coming on. We'll catch you next time. Oh, Mark? Oh, no, it's call, calls over, sorry. Okay. How much time do we have to get into quantum mechanics for a little bit? Uh, well, I need to do an Alienware ad. Um, do you want to do that really quickly before we do the Alienware ad? Let's do it after the Alienware ad. You only got okay. one caller. This will be a good time for you to scour for more callers after. Okay. Uh, sounds good. Uh, well, don't do it immediately after the alien rad because I have to talk about something sad. Um, do you want to do it after the next caller or do you want to do it now? Between the alien rad and the sad thing? Yeah. Oh, I know what this is actually. Um, I'll do it after the next caller even though it's, okay. it's going to be far removed. Uh, okay. Well, first off, I want to do the basic Alienware plug um, and let everybody know that until gamer days are still happening, uh, it's 
there's some great deals that are going on over there. I saw some people pick up some stuff. And you can use my code, which is in the YouTube description, uh, if you would like to to save some additional money. It doesn't always stack, but sometimes it does. And either way, tweeting at Alienware lets people know. Um, on a more serious note, though, uh, and, and Mark is bringing on the animal right now, for those of you that find comfort in that, um, I have some kind of like a sad story to tell. Um, hopefully one that, that will be uplifting soon enough as he... Um, is able to beat it. But David Chen, who is the individual, he's been in esports for a long time, and uh, people can find him on Twitter, David Chen 10. Uh, he is the guy that basically made the whole Alienware deal happen for me. Uh, back in 2017, he believed a lot in me and knew that getting a deal going for me that would allow me to just focus on the work that I was doing and the content that I was doing for an entire year rather than what I had before, which was like incremental sponsorships here and there, uh, would be a game changer. And I remember we <laughs> we went and pitched uh, him and Alienware on like three deals. One was like, okay, just sponsor Hotline League. Another one was like, okay, maybe just sponsor like the LCS stuff. And then the third one, which, you know, was the dream that we didn't think they would take is like, why don't you just come in and sponsor everything and make it, if you do this, then it'll make it so that I can just have the security to do everything. I don't need to go out and necessarily find other sponsors to, to make sure I can go to Worlds or whatever. This is the case. Anyway, uh, last week, 10 days before his wedding, he was, uh, he went in because he wasn't feeling well and uh, ended up getting diagnosed with leukemia. Uh, so I I believe he's going to beat it. Uh, he's a healthy dude, and he's got a, a great great deal of strength. Uh, but uh, along uh, alongside the support that I, I want to give him, I, I want to shout out Team Liquid. Uh, there, it's kind of a t uh, an agnostic thing they're doing. It's not necessarily a Team Liquid initiative, but uh, they have like a D Chen Win hashtag going right now, and some people have been. I'm going to do a stream at, at probably in the next sometime before Worlds um, to support him, uh, but uh, he has a GoFundMe going right now. Um, they, I know they had to cancel all their wedding plans um, because of this because he went straight into the hospital and was in chemo for a month. Uh, but I just want to drop a link to his GoFundMe in the chat. Uh, looks like Mark is is actually linking it. That, has, was, that was the the thing the, to the entire like the start the, of yeah. the thread. It's not directly to his GoFundMe, which I think yes. you should link as well. So I'm I'm gonna do some sort of stream. I I will figure it out. Um, probably probably not next week, but maybe the week after or so. But sometime before Worlds. Um, but if in the short term you want to, if, if even if you can't support uh, him financially through the GoFundMe. If you guys have Twitter, you just want to tweet some kind words at him. I know he's reading all that stuff while he's um, in the hospital going through the chemo stuff. That would be super swell. Um, was really surprising news for me and uh, big, big fan of, of David. So I'll make sure that that link gets sent out to my, um, the person who manages the, the podcast as well. So, um, and the, the YouTube upload so that it will go into uh, the description. Um, in fact, I'll do that right now. Um, do that. I, I'll just say that I also have known David forever because he... Yeah, you've you know, known him probably as long up. as me, yeah. Yeah, because he, he started working with Curse and Team Liquid way back when I was there. So there are a lot of 
parties and events that you know we would have sponsorship stuff to or whatever and you know players would go on a stage or whatever do their thing and it'd be like the staff and david and some of the other alienware people like all hanging out so uh, he's always a really cool guy i always like seeing him at events and stuff um so super sad news but like you said he he's a pretty <laughs> he's a pretty tenacious guy so i'm yeah I'm, I'm optimistic yeah i'm rooting i'm rooting for him for sure uh but either way thanks everyone um for anything you do uh do there to support him either through the gofundme or just uh kind words but rooting rooting for david uh, hashtag dchen win uh, and you can check out, I know some other folks are probably doing some stuff around this to support him, but wishing him the best. All right. Let's, uh, unfortunately, oh, you know, always awkwardly, we have to, we have to go move on to the next caller, but, um, off, off we go. Uh, thank you to Rico Suave for the sub fish sticks 25, uh, that Kush guy 1997 for the 18 months Ventus official for 41 and Frogman for the 10 Okay, is it Jorge? It is. Hey, Jorge uh, is here. Literally, his name is Hey Jorge. What? Uh, let everyone know where you're calling from. Charlotte, North Carolina. Charlotte, North Carolina. What do you want to talk about on the show? Yeah, so I want to talk about um, the the actual hire for the commissioner of the LCS. Um, I think I know you know that Chris Greeley right now is the interim commissioner. It's kind of like the head of NA Esports and oce for her right i believe but yeah he got um, promoted this... from commissioner to head of north america so they're now hiring someone for the commissioner job right and i feel like that is to me more important like finding the right person for the lcs um in terms of probably more than what lcs teams can do in terms of like player recruitment uh, you know all the content they're doing um short of of course doing a really good run at worlds right I think that's like really critical. There's been obviously a lot of criticism leveraged towards the LCS, but the commissioner role, like they got to they got to find the right person for that. As far as I'm aware, like before Chris, uh, I don't know who the I don't know who did that before. Besides, like when EU and and uh, NA both had uh, the LCS directed by Redbeard, right? I'm not sure who else was involved in that role, but I think it's really there, important. There was never like an official uh, role. There was kind of like Waylon. Uh, who or right magus was the guy who was running esports and then there were people who were kind of head of league ops who were functionally the commissioner but not really in the way that that Greeley became especially with franchising um so like nick allen and hunter lee both had similar jobs around that um but yes uh it is there's chris Greeley is the first person who where they really formalized the commissioner role i think in part because of franchising and also because they were bringing in these other esports um, for other games or whatever. So it kind of made sense to have somebody strictly in charge of, of the LCS and the LCS ecosystem. Um, but yeah, you're saying you think that it's going to be, that it's it's incredibly important who gets that even more than like the teams and, you know, whatever anybody else can do. It's That's the person who's making so much of the decisions, yeah? Yeah, specifically for like the future of the LCS. Yes, absolutely, in the broadcast. Mark, you were this making is... some faces. Oh, I'm petting my cat. If oh. I was making faces, I, I I promise you they were unintentional. Okay. I was going to say that this this is probably the Travis Gafford's beginning to campaign for his bid as LCS head honcho, man. I would hate that job. Are you fucking kidding me, Mark? 
Uh, this job sucks because I have to deal with the owners sometimes. I would have to deal with the owners all the time in that job. Like, I do not think that that is a, a good job that anyone should take unless they they feel bad about themselves. Can you imagine what those owners meetings are like? All 10 of those different personalities in there, all screaming about different things. We've we've seen how they how some of them handle things the, earlier this year. Um, and that's what things are like when it's public through like a PR thing. I, it's tough to imagine what dealing with the pressure from those those guys would be like <laughs> in a normal situation. Also, I would hate to be the person that makes rulings. Like imagine you have to go find TSM or like you have to decide, I don't know, some something unpopular in a team thing against them. Like, I I already feel like people get upset with me about decisions I make. Uh, I'm not interested in that level of it. Mark, could you be commissioner of the LCS? Could I be? I could do anything. I'm a goddamn genius. Should I be? Do I want to be? What, no, how much money would they have to offer you, Mark, in order for you to take the commission? I, I'm role? not. This is actually the thing. I'm not a financial, like, not really a financially driven person. I sure, but at a certain them. point in time, if they're offering you ten million dollars and you know you just do it for two years, and then you and and Ashley go get a farm somewhere where you can have five thousand animals, uh, and and you can just do whatever other hobbies you like to get up to in your free time, I feel like you would do that. There's some number for you, even if you're not like a financial guy number you know there's no realistic I number i don't think there's a real realistic number yeah, yeah i agree but uh i don't know what what do you think mark i know this is maybe more of a of a me call but it's definitely a you call i don't have super strong feelings on it um the one thing i'll say which is more towards me and and obviously people i work with uh while i don't know if you're right about the claim that this is one of the most important people in the future the lcs or whatever exactly you said um i would also say that like a lot of people through all levels of the product of the lcs um have a lot of important things to do like as someone who works behind the scenes like small this what seem like small decisions can like have big impacts even for people who are like like in the grand scheme of things on the ladder of people working on the LCS, like talent's actually not that high up in terms of decisions that we make. Like our decisions largely pertain to the words coming out of our mouth and the assets that back them up. We don't really have much else input on how it's run what things look like on a broader perspective. Like, yeah, we can find someone and give our thoughts to, but I don't think our, our words carry a ton of weight. Um, but that said, like the words that come out of our mouth are actually pretty fucking important in the enjoyment of fans, which is important for the health of the league, which is important. Like, so, uh, my point with this is like, while maybe there's a head honcho that, that is the really important person that at the very top, um, I, I do think sometimes the upward pointing, well, it's really not up to me. It's that guy kind of passing the buck that can happen. I don't really like that stuff. And I always feel like there's something that like everyone is probably failing at at some level and they can do better, myself included. Well, I mean, it sounds like there's a there's the bottoms up approach, right? Like where you're talking about on the broadcast level, but it feels like it's also important what's coming up from uh, coming down from the top as well. Right? Yeah, for, for sure. It's never completely one way or the other. I just like, I, I never like, or, and I, I fall prey to it too. You know, like the, well, the guy, you know, like that's not really my decision. Like what can I do about this thing that people are talking about, you know? 
I actually think I agree a lot with the caller. And I think one of the issues that the LCS has faced and that I think would benefit from hiring the right person into this would be having a singular vision that can really drive stuff. So I know this is very inside baseball for people, but back when Waylon was in charge of the LCS, I really disagreed with a lot of the decisions he made. And one of the things about Waylon was he had, there was a lot less uh, decision-making made by like big groups of people, right? There was a, uh, one of the criticisms I had heard of Waylon from, from different people was like, well, it's Waylon's way or the highway. Uh, but this was the guy that really built like the beginning of the LCS. And one of the nice things about that strategy, as frustrating as it could be, was that he had a very singular vision that he was able to drive everyone to. And I think oftentimes the LCS over the past couple of years has had a bit of an identity crisis, right? There's been a uh, different thing where the broadcast has shifted a ton. And in some ways I think it's good because they have tried to iterate and improve in areas where I think they were weak. Uh, format has shifted a ton. There's just been a lot of like movement. Um, and and I, I don't want to say that that shouldn't be the case because there's a lot of things that haven't been working. And I think they're trying to fix them, even though I don't think a lot of it has been fixed yet. Uh, but if you have the right person who can come in and just drive everyone and be like, this is what the hell the LCS is. And hopefully they don't pick traditional sports broadcast, but if they, they do have a singular idea of what this, the product is supposed to be and they can get people to all drive towards that um, and they can really inspire people, I think that that could be really, really great. Uh, do I think that the chances are that they're going to find that perfect candidate who's like inspiring and motivational and knows exactly what the LCS should be and can capture new audiences? I mean, my expectations are fairly low, but I do agree with the take that like finding the right person for this can be something that can really help get the LCS to a better place than it's been in a while. So I don't know. I'm, I'm very curious who they pick. I'm a little nervous that it'll end up being some sort of like I, I can't, if you ask me, I have no idea who should take this job or who, who would be perfect for it. Like there's a ton of, you know, Overwatch League hired a bunch of traditional sports people in the past. I think that that's awful. Please no more MLB executives. Um, I don't need any of those in the LCS. Uh, but I also don't know who in esports is like badass enough to really pick up this banner as well. So I don't know. I have no idea, but uh, I'm, I'm very curious. This position has been open for most of the year though, right? Like does that maybe mean that they're actually looking for the right person? They're not rushing to anything? Yeah, I think so. And I mean, in a sense, there hasn't been a tremendous rush, right? Because you still have Greeley there. It's not like there's a giant leadership vacuum up at the top. Uh, but yes, I do hope that they are taking their time and really looking for folks. But I have no idea. I don't know. I'm very curious who ends up taking that. Peter Dunn uh, in Twitch chat just said he'd do it. Who? Peter Dunn. Peter Dunn? I like Peter Dunn. I think that the challenge for the LCS is that, or for this role is like, from what I understand, publishing, broadcasts, league ops, all that stuff build into it. And so while I would vote for Peter Dunn to be head of, of league ops, I don't know enough about Peter Dunn's content chops, for instance, to really know how to drive the broadcast, for instance. I wouldn't vote for Peter. He, he, he didn't even make worlds. Steve, listen guys. 
people are suggesting Steve and Rick Fox. This is probably a job that I bet pays somewhere around like, I don't know, 300K, I, I would guess. Uh, Steve's not going to like give up his equity and his position in Team Liquid to go get screamed at by 10 other owners. Yeah, there's some great suggestions in the chat, by the way. Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> never let Twitch chat make the hiring decision on this, I think is what, what I would suggest. Uh, okay, hey, Jorge, thank you for so much for the call. Anything you want to say before we move on to our next caller? Uh, thanks for doing the show, and shout out to Alienware. Yeah, thank you so much for the call. We'll catch you next time. All right, Mark is off to grab our next caller. Please, we're still taking takes. No, uh, I'm not. I'm here to talk to you about quantum mechanics. Oh, okay, yeah, here we go. This somewhat pertains to the stats and thing. I'm I'm really bored. Whenever I get really bored over the the um, the breaks. Kelsey in chat says no one cares, Mark, and she's right. But I'm doing it anyways. Uh, yeah. Whenever I get really bored over the breaks, I always like find a new person on YouTube that I like, usually science related. Uh, Veritasium, someone who I never like really watched too closely. Start watching the YouTuber, stuff, but what is that? The YouTuber? Yeah, Veritasium. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He's really good, um, but in general, I've just been getting deeper and deeper in the quantum mechanics stuff in general. It's it's super cool. Uh, one of the things that people talk about, you know, with like the stats thing, is I feel like people often view probability and stats and randomness as this like abstract layer that we apply onto reality. You know, like your understanding of something that happens and how you talk about it with stats and mathematics is is not really what it is. You know, and, and people treat it like a abstract layer on top like i was saying you know like the stock market is not a real thing it's numbers and shit well here's what's cool quantum mechanics and most of the stuff in there works 100 based on probability um and you can't know with certainty a lot of different properties position momentum a lot of that stuff that that's really um what's talked about the most but the Reality as we understand it, and there's always a chance that there's like a, another layer that we're going to dig under and, and find something more that reveals the truth. But as far as we can tell, this shit is like pretty much that's the fundamental way that particles work. We haven't found anything smaller than what's found in the standard model. Um, like quantum field theory is it's about an actual field and particles are really just the fluctuations in the field and all this stuff. And so uh, guess what? That is the fundamental nature of reality. It seems to be partially random probabilistic and uh you know it's it's not something that you just apply on top of reality here's what's really cool there's these things called virtual remind particles. everybody we have timestamps in the description if anybody would like to move skip on skip ahead yeah so these virtual particles basically what's happening is there's uh a, even in empty space there's a little bit of energy and this energy is fluctuating all the time and it's popping in these new pairs of particles into an existence and they, they annihilate again really quickly but these things are really important and you can't just ignore them. And so when you're doing calculations of how interactions happen uh, between elementary particles, you actually need to account for all these different virtual particles that can pop into an existence. So there's this thing called a Feynman diagram. And what it is, is like a little chart that you draw the interaction. And so you might want to describe a really simple interaction, like something absorbing in a photon and later emitting it. Um, but even when you do that, you have to account for all the infinite possibilities that can occur with the... Uh, Feynman diagrams because you know something could emit a particle and then reabsorb it itself and then do the the split that I was talking about and you have to literally take all of these and calculate them to get the most 
accurate answer. And so these fluctuations that are happening are probabilistic. There's no way to know what's going to happen, but they all, in some sense, need to be crunched and computed. And you had to do a path integral, which integrates them all. And you don't obviously do all of them because that's impossible, but you, you do the most likely ones to occur. And the more complex they are, the less likely they are to occur. And that led to a lot of the most uh, the most well-tested observations in all of science history um, is uh, calculating the magnetic dipole moment of something called the G factor. It's really fucking cool. I don't know if I'm selling it that well, but this shit's nuts. Get rid of the import rule. Okay, so uh, <laughs> off to the next caller. Thank you to Ventus official Frogman 2004 and Liberi. Liberi for the two years. Holy moly. Thank you, Liberi. It's very nice of you. And Botman, I hope I got your one year earlier. I don't know if you're still here. Uh, very nice of them. Um, Ron Blade is coming in in just a second as Mark pulls them in. Uh, hopefully we get that figured out. <clears throat> still... Uh, Anyway, so recently there's been some research done that the might not be Ron doing Blade things quite correctly your, with the G Ron Blade, where are you calling they, from? They, they did it with an electron, but they're trying to do it with a, a, a muon. Ron Blade, where are you calling from? Sydney, Australia. Sorry, I was getting some background well, Oh, you're very quiet for some reason. I'll turn you up. What was that? I'm calling from Sydney, Australia. Sydney, Australia. Mark, is he really quiet for you too? Yeah, I don't know. What's that? Yeah, he's he's quieter for me too. Ron Blake, can you get closer to your microphone? Yeah, sorry. I am using just my laptop mic today, not a specific mic, so I apologize. You, you may need to yell because I've got you at 200% and, uh, and it's still very difficult to hear you. Okay, I can talk as loudly as possible. How's okay, that? <laughs> that's right there. Let's go. Okay, so my take is... Just Wait, go back to as loud as you were before. It's not there yet. <laughs> My take is about uh, the broadcast stuff. So I guess I wanted to uh, reflect on the year for LCS and uh, the improvements that they made, and I guess where are areas I think they can still grow. Uh, God, so you're so quiet. I almost feel uh, like we uh, have to send you back to the waiting on, room for a second. Me, yeah, can you can you boost it somehow on your own system, whether in yeah. Discord or System Sound? Just fill time. All right. Well, number one, I think the first thing that the broadcast would improve on is give me more time to just talk about science. What is up I with really you tonight? Think... What has happened? What do you mean? There's fucking nothing going on in League. Like, I don't care that I'm just going on. Yeah, but the call, tangents. like, people show up here to hear about League of Legends content, not to hear you talk about quantum mechanics for five minutes. Bachelor in Paradise for five minutes, or Shang-Chi for five minutes, or. What's yeah, going on with my I know you've had a lot of opportunities abdom, tonight my, to my talk about random stuff. feeling cold and I'm dying. Ron Blade, try again. Hey, how's that? Oh boy. Okay. Welcome okay. I'll bring back, it back down dude. to hundred <laughs> percent. Talk again. I like to listen to this back. It's going to be just a fun and not at all embarrassing time in my life. Okay. What do you want to talk about? <laughs> so I want to talk about LCS broadcast and, uh, ways that it's grown this year and things that I think they could still improve on. Okay. Where is it grown and what do they need to improve on? So if, uh, I think that they did take a lot of feedback um, and in summer, particularly with all the new content pieces that came in, I think they really like upped the standard of just um, like set pieces in the broadcast, you know, stuff like uh, replay files, mastermind, all this stuff uh, is really high quality content. And that's, um, 
great thing that can kind of live in and outside of the broadcast, uh, which is really awesome. Uh, I think that bringing this year the range of people that were brought onto the broadcast was also great, like lots of new talent that was really interesting and exciting and not just the same standard um, kind of sports broadcast style uh, people that had been on in the past. Uh, but I think that the area that the broadcast can really still grow in is around building player narratives and finding interesting ways to build player narratives without needing players to be involved. Because I think whenever you hear, like in that interview with Chris Greeley you did the other week, he's like, oh, well, players are never available, so it's really hard to get them involved in content. Um, but when I think about the LEC, they have all those same problems, but I think that they approach them in a different way, which is they do content with the casters that gives you what you would want from the players without necessarily needing them. And so what I mean by that is stuff like the rap battles. Everyone wants players to trash talk, right? Like everyone just misses double lift, like popping off after games and stuff. Um, but players now with social media, with everything, the stress, they don't want to trash talk. So what does LEC do? They like literally do the trash talk for them. They do these rap battles where they, you know, do all the trash talking as if they were the players, as if they were the teams talking to each other. And similarly, things like the Reckless With My Heart song, that's another way to kind of bring those narratives forward through content. Like, but Reckless is not going to, you know, rock up to do an interview or to do content about him leaving G2. So you find your own way around that. And so I think that that's maybe something that LCS could think about would be about using the, the talent that they do have access to, broadcast talent, to drive some of those player narratives forward in different ways. I think one of the most hype moments for me on any broadcast this year was in the lead up to game five in the Fnatic G2 series, they played the instrumental track to Reckless With My Heart under Champ Select. And it just was like, I don't know, it brought back this whole story that had been the story of the entire year. And like in that moment, they got the payoff, I guess, of being able to use that to really hype up that final moment. So yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I It's interesting. I think that LEC does... You, you mentioned LEC has a lot of the same challenges, but it doesn't often feel like it because it definitely feels like they are doing more with the players than the LCS is. Uh, like there's a player on Euphoria, I think, almost every week. There is, uh, they do, every, everybody loves, and actually I, I admit I only just started watching them a couple of weeks ago, um, LEC Pop Quiz, which is, is fantastic. Uh, I think they've done a lot of stuff with players and I know every now and then you see a player pop onto like masterminds or onto next level, but it is uh it is it is rough for me that the players are not there. So I I agree with you that like they should do more with the talent and they can be they can be creating even more inspired content with the talent. Though I I, I think this year they did a pretty good job with that with things like uh, lane by lane and all that. But. I just they have to do more with the players. That's the biggest thing. Like I, I they can do they can try to do the trash talk stuff with the casters. They can do fun things like the reckless with my heart stuff. But like right now, people don't care about the LCS players, and that is the big thing. They have to do that next year, otherwise we're gonna see viewership go even lower because people just don't care about a lot of the players in the league right now, and it's because they haven't really been given many opportunities to care about them. So. I don't know, Mark. I know this is always a challenging thing for you because you don't want to throw people under the bus. But where do you maybe you you can speak to the things that you did think the broadcast did well this year and the things that you're excited that the broadcast can do even better next year? So it's two positives. So on the point about the player stuff, I agree with you. 
Um, I, I think I've told you this, and I don't think it's bad to say, but the um, amount of player-driven content has not been great the last couple of years, and there are some legitimate mitigating factors, such as COVID and being remote. Like, you can't grab someone and put them in the studio after a loss and be like, how do you feel? You know, like, it's, it's a lot harder to do that kind of stuff that they would used to do all the time. Like, SOTS is what they were called, uh, sound on tape basically just an interview that would would you would get after a day of games or something and, and those just died because you couldn't do them in uh, the same way um it's so, like they're legitimate problems but when your thing came out about how the biggest disconnects or the like survey. why fans aren't watching anymore yeah your survey and, and all the top ones were about players effectively and narrative like there's not enough narratives uh, the players aren't interesting yada 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 there's a lot of that stuff um that in combination with Emily joining the broadcast, who was much more player oriented, really opened my eyes to how bad of a job was being done. Myself included as someone who just like, no offense to players, but I often find them boring. <laughs> and like my personal preference though, should not be informing what is ultimately critical to the product, which is finding the interesting stuff and getting it in front of people. Um, but you know, like lightning round is a great example of uh, content that gets the player's personality in front of people and i actually really like watching that and it's it, it solves the problem for me which is before like before you explain what it is let me do this poll and ask people if they know what lightning round is sorry continue though uh yeah so like you know like if you just put a player in front of a camera and ask them to talk i agree with a lot of people that sometimes say like oh well they're boring but like you know it's your job to make them not boring it's our job my job to make them not boring and there are things you can do which is like put them in more interesting situations which is what lightning round is um and so i totally don't think like the players being boring is on them it's like well if we just put them in a post-game interview and ask them three questions and then eat them on their way which is what the broadcast did for the entirety of 2020 if i remember correctly like they weren't on desks to give more insightful answers uh i think there was only i think the only form of player content that showed on the broadcast beyond like uh, like a hype video or something, I think was just post-game interviews, which is about the worst thing you can do to showcase personality. Um, what? What? Oh, you're talking about the broadcast post-games, yes. Yeah, well, I'm just saying that, like, right after a game where they, like, just played and they, you know, they, I don't know, you know, it's it's not great. I, I think that they have a very good value, and I'm not saying that those are problematic and they shouldn't exist on their own, but, like, if that's the only form of content you're getting of players in front of people, I'm not surprised people think, oh, that the players are boring. And I think that was something that we didn't do a great job of as a broadcast, uh, myself included, like I said, for not pitching more player-driven content because it's not stuff I personally liked, but, like, uh, it was a blind spot for me operationally to be like, well, we still need it, so, like, where can we find it and get it in? Um, and COVID's not enough of an excuse, and I think getting them on the desk again for post desk sections was a big thing and getting lightning around in there. And some of these things are all steps in the right direction, but to solve what seems to me now in hindsight clearly is an issue. Um, you know, like that, those are a lot of things that we can do. Ron Blade's point about the LEC trash talk video or those kinds of things, like those are good, but I think the more integrated during the show things also help a lot. And they are good about that. And, like i talked to someone about this on the eu team about like you know i do think their players trash talk more and i was a little bit like hey how do, why do they trash talk more and they admitted that like they'll ask relatively leading questions you know or they'll say like hey this player thinks this about you and they, they'll like kind of you know stir the pot to get the pl player to say a better soundbite 
which I don't know. I, I'm not in the rooms when we're doing this, but like, you know, I, I would love to, like, do we do that? I don't know. Um, they would have players on cast. They would join on desk more. They have the pop quiz. They have, like you said, they're, they're in some of this, this feature content. Um, so like I would say, uh, there are a lot of things that, that the LCS bro broadcast can easily do better, um, that don't involve, you know, writing lyrics and stuff that, you know, like Dracos is incredible. Uh, do we have an NA Dracos? Maybe we do. I don't, I don't know. Um, but like, you know, he deserves a lot of credit for making those things. So uh, I think I just want to be clear. I'm not saying we don't need more player stuff. I'm just saying that, like, I think there are realities around that that aren't going to change. And so the broadcast needs to think about how they can do other things to, you know, that work around those realities. Yeah. And I think um, to, to the point about, I don't, I don't want to make it seem like the player driven content is the only thing that the broadcast needs to get better on. I think there are a lot of other areas as well. Um, I guess what for me, this take kind of extends all the way back to an interview Travis did with Dash. And Travis, you asked him why he doesn't do more acting stuff on broadcast. And he said, oh, because then the show becomes about me and not about the players. And I think that to me, that was kind of a, I don't know, a bit of a misunderstanding to me of like why I watch the LCS as a fan. Like I absolutely care about the broadcast talent. I mean, as an OS and NA fan, basically broadcast talent is all we have. So uh, I like really do care about the talent on screen and uh, them doing interesting things is engaging for me as a viewer and does make me more attached to the league and more attached to um, the product of LCS, I guess. And so to me, like thinking about uh, ways to use broadcast talent to drive viewership um, but also making sure that you are driving that key thing that you do need to be doing, which is the narratives. Like, I don't see those things as either or, whereas I feel like for a long time, the LCS was like, well, we can't be doing content as um, cast as it really needs to be about the, the player. Yeah, you, what you just said kind of uh, uh, ignited something in me because I've heard that as criticism of the LEC broadcast before as well, even within the community, but also within the industry, people say like, ah, you know, the talent over there thinks that the show's all about them or they make it all about them. Um, and it takes the spotlight off the players. One, I don't think there's much evidence of that because it feels like the players over there, people like if people will show up for the broadcast um, and for the talent that's on the broadcast, then you're also getting them to watch whatever your con whatever content you're putting in front of them about the players. And so I think it, it's not one or the other. It's not like, oh no, people care about the casters too much. They'll never like the players now. You know, it's just, it's very s silly for me. So I like... I, I think it's it's a mix, right? You can't always have, to, to your point, you cannot always have players available for content. Like sometimes they are literally setting up on stage. You're not gonna grab something with them then. Yeah, you can maybe air something that you recorded with them earlier, but like doing more stuff, having more fun with the, the talent and like really enabling them to do stuff. I mean, the Dash is an actor and yet you almost never see him act that is, I think, such a, a wasted opportunity for the for the broadcast. Uh, it was very did talented. You the, did you see the watch it with your eyes thing? Which one was that? With Dash this this year. Was yeah, that, that the was, was that the like the the intro that they took from? Yeah, and it's the like LEC did the around. same week too, which coincidentally. Who did? Was that the one that L, the intro that LEC did at the same at during the same week that was similar? 
I just tell you what it is. Okay. Uh, it was the thing where Dash was walking at the camera and saying hype lines over and over again, but it was cut in a really funny way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've saw it. I don't remember too much about it, but yes. Okay. Well, now this is weird because I don't know if the LAC did it the same week or not. Uh, but my point was just that, like, I, f- I feel like we can make funny content and things that are short. It's like a minute 43, you know, and finding a place to put that in the show that's not eating up player time, but also putting something more engaging in front of fans is something that the broadcast should be doing. Yeah. I think that was one of the more successful things that people really liked. Yeah. I think there's a lot of fun things. I mean, you guys used to do skits. I know it's harder with COVID or whatever, but what was the the, the horror film one that you were in? Uh, that, that was the joke. Was it the fold, foldy sheet horror, horror skit? The, the bench? Oh yeah. It was the bench. Yes. That was good. That was good. It was okay. I could have done better. Well, you the know, same I, I again. That's like that stuff where they, you're using the broadcast talent though to drive home the stories of the season. Like the bench was a real big deal back then, you know. And so, it, it just because a player was not in that doesn't mean that it wasn't driving people towards the kind of the players and the storylines. So. Um. So there's some interesting things as an aside here. When I did that poll about lightning round earlier, 50% said they didn't know what lightning round was. Uh, and of the 50% that did, I saw a lot of people thinking in chat that lightning round was lane by lane. Cause they're like, I didn't like it whenever Vienna was on there. And I'm like, eh, that's, you don't think it's that. And that for me, even if we agree lightning round is great and that Emily's doing a good job of trying to like build out players, the, the broadcast and the, the LCS is not pushing that piece of content the way that uh, L- LCS po- or LEC Pop Quiz gets pushed. You know, it's not like out on social. I don't think they publish it independently to YouTube. I don't know. It's just it's tough. It's tough. I so, think they did um, one. I think they did one recently. I saw one like literally today. I think was the first time I'd seen a lightning round as a separate video on YouTube. So the season's over. Did it get published today? Mm, maybe. Maybe it was published earlier. Maybe you just saw it on somebody else's YouTube. I'm checking right now. It was probably one of those YouTube channels that just steals everyone's shit and then gets 500,000 views. Yeah, I don't think. Oh, no, it came out four days ago. Well, we did it. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I just think that there's there's so much more opportunity there. And I think that it's, it's also kind of this weird thing of, like, you build up these incredible broadcast talent. You have, like, pretty much everyone agrees Captain Flowers is, like, best play by play in the world. Like you have all this incredible talent on broadcast and it just seems crazy to then be like, oh, but that's not the real show. So we better just like, we can only let them cast, you know, it's, it's, I think there's way more that can be done. Yeah. To to the point about when this piece of content came out on YouTube or Travis talking about pushing things like this is why when I was talking about earlier in the show, like everyone can probably have some things that they can do a little bit better to help the North American LCS region broadcast all that stuff you know even like on a competitive level right like teams can probably be doing things better this is an example where it's like okay the guy who's at the top of NA whoever this mystery man is mystery woman I should say as well like who who knows who it is this mystery person that they hire is going to fix everything like is it like other people still also need to work on their own areas and make them better um so it's there are, I think, to Ron Blade, your point, there are a lot of things that you can point to in a lot of different areas that could get leveled up in a lot of different ways. Well, but Ron I mean, this Blade isn't think... like just trashing on the broadcast either. Like, that, as I was saying, I thought summer was really good this year. You fucking hate it. It's a lot better than COVID was. 
Uh, Ron, Ron Blade, thanks so much for the call. Anything you want to shout out before we uh, go on to our next caller? Yeah, I just want to say justice for Xmithy. I mean, when Doublelift and Bjergsen re- retired, we got like eulogy episodes of Hotline League. Xmithy is the you no, know, he's next cab off the rank in terms of best NA all time, and we just he never got he never got his time in the sun for proper reflection and proper appreciation. So, but that's I feel to... like that's as much on did, him as it is on. Did he announce he was retiring? Yeah, anywhere? he never even announced it. He was just sort I mean, of that's like, true, but I mean maybe classic Xmithy. Maybe he's too lost to. I mean, I just, I just, I need to know whether. I hope he's at EDM festivals having a great time. I hope that he got his summer of freedom and, uh, yeah, just shout out to that guy. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I sure don't want to say that he definitely didn't. I, I don't think he did. I don't think he did. Ron Blade, thank you so much for the call. Yeah, have a great night. Yeah. All right. Uh, there is a a friend of ours in the waiting room, Mark. That is, I think, got a follow up to. Oh, and off Marcos. Okay, uh, Cherry Lace, thank you for the 36 months, three years we did it. Holy shit, thank you. Thank you. Uh, any Anyone else? Any Anyone else got us some? Because uh, I got nothing else to talk about right now while we wait for Mark to get back. So reading out subs is kind of how I kill time. Anybody has a uh, prime? Oh, Mark's back. Mark is here, and he's joined by Karen Moser. Karen Moser. <laughs> What you, that is your Discord name, Kelsey? Uh, as long as so, <laughs> so many other things, uh, so that's how I pronounce it. Uh, where where are you calling from? Uh, I'm calling from Los Angeles. Los Angeles, technically Santa Monica. Yeah. Wow. Well, don't talk yeah. to yourself too much. Um, I know, what you, right? What do you What do you want to talk about on the show? Uh, so my take is about how LCS and League of Legends needs to be doing more for entry-level content. Uh, if they want League of Legends as an esports to have longevity. So explain to me entry-level content. So I would say that entry-level content, meaning one of the worst experiences in your life possible is creating a level one account on League of Legends and trying to play with other people. <laughs> uh, I think it's super intimidating. And right now, I spend a lot of time talking to high school coaches, middle school coaches about issues. And one of the biggest things that they bring up is League of Legends as a game is really intimidating because there's like 156 champions. Um, there's not a lot of really, really solid tutorial content. And when you go to watch the LCS broadcast, a lot of casters just try to compete to look good in front of coaches, which is not the main target audience. They compete. Wait, the, the, the casters compete to look good in front of coaches? That's how I feel when I watch the, the color casters sometimes. Like, I feel like the target audience for color casters sometimes is coaches. And part of that is because they're afraid of being like called out for not saying like highbrow enough things or not saying things correctly in front of coaches on Twitter. So they'll say like super specific things or they'll try to point out things that they find like super high level, etc. Whereas I feel like their actual job is just explaining on a super, super basic dumbed down level, like what the fuck is happening on my screen, right? So that's that's kind of where I am when I watch broadcasts and listen to casters and, and think about where it's headed as an, an esport. 
So you think the LCS needs to do this rather than Riot? Because I think you said LCS, yes? I said LCS and League of Legends. So okay. Riot, LCS, etc. I think there needs to be more effort, effort put into uh, helping the intra-level player base. And I think one of the biggest tools, right, to advertise the game is the, the LCS broadcast, right? Or not just the LCS, but League of Legends broadcasts in general. Um, advertising the game itself. That's one of the biggest reasons why esports exists is to advertise the game. Like the way that esports exists in general wouldn't be sustainable unless it was promoted by the actual gaming company that created the game. But Kelsey, don't like from my perspective, I imagine they put out there that something that's like the goal of League of Legends, you know, it's week five of the LCS summer split. And they're like, in League of Legends, you want to kill the t opponent's base and you do that by first taking their towers and then their next eye and or their inhibitors and then the nexus and then blah 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 like i it's, it's hard to imagine that going over well with like the regular lcs viewers why not what do you think that the the, the main people who tune into the lcs broadcast are like what do you think the main audience what do you think their their game knowledge level is I mean, I'm just I like would... browsing Twitch. I just picked up the game. You know, I feel like there are a lot of people who would find that interesting. I I mean, maybe for something like World Finals or whatever, but I don't feel like in your average LCS week, there's a ton of people that haven't played League of Legends before tuning into an LCS broadcast. And even then, like the chance that really? they... What's that? I mean, do you think that it should be prohibitive? Well... That... I, I mean, I, like if I, you haven't played a ton of League of Legends, do you think that watching LCS should be there should be a barrier of entry to watching LCS? Do you think? I think the burden of knowledge on watching the LCS should probably be similar to the burden of knowledge in watching I don't know MLB or NFL or something along those lines or NBA. Like I don't particularly know how rules work in NFL, um, and I wouldn't expect to like tune into the broadcast and have them explain to me like, oh, here's what first down means. By the but way, if anybody I, knows, let me know. <laughs> I do feel like that kind of stuff is regularly explained with like visuals and graphics, and a lot of the commentary is a lot more dumbed down for traditional sports than league. Uh, when I when I watch it, like a lot of the commentary is a lot more basic. Like I'm not a sports person, but it's a lot easier for me to watch a pro traditional sport, quote unquote, haha. Um, when I just open it for the first time than it is for me to watch League of Legends, assuming I have zero knowledge, right? Like, when I'm tuning into the LCS for the first time and I have zero knowledge, it's a huge uphill battle for me. I have no idea what's going on. I guess I just don't expect the people that are tuning into the LCS to ever be somebody who hasn't... Like, I don't think that it is very likely that you're ever going to capture a lot of people on the LCS broadcast that have not played League of Legends previously. I feel like the way to become, like the best way to get- more likely to capture people who have played little League of Legends or a few hours of League of Legends than you are to capture people who are gonna be interested in, oh, the reason why this jungle clear is interesting is because the XP differential is like 338. And then if this guy skips the this FTX camp, he can gank difference. here and- Look at the difference in the value of the look at the difference in the visuals of the the ward and etc. It's like people Here's you one, pe more people will care about like entry level content than will care about like trying to be hyper specific, right? Um, I'm not sure I agree, and here's my two cents on it. 
One, I don't really know the viewer data and I would defer to people who do. But the thing about esports, as I understand it, and I'm not like the grandpa of esports, but early on and through basically up until, you know, I mean, like you had developer organized tournaments and somewhat funded, but, you know, like it, it largely wasn't developer driven for a large early portion of of esports, but um, people through tournaments and watch tournaments because they played the game and they wanted to see it played at the highest level. Um, and that's what funded and made esports was not developers as a promotional tool, but as um, the, the players themselves. And I would assume and probably argue that the core viewer base is still people who play the game and want to see it played at the highest level. Um, there are new players, and I, I don't necessarily disagree with the sentiment that sometimes there's a brain measuring contest, if you will, about people trying to sound super smart or, like you said, impress coaches. And I think, you know, it's worth taking another look at how people are casting and stuff like that. But I would push back against the idea that the target audience is a new player and not an experienced player. I would, I would actually suggest that the target audience is a very experienced player, or at least somewhat experienced. And, and you know, they probably all think they know way more than they do, and you could dumb it down. But I, I do think it is probably more experienced than inexperienced. But do you think that that's more because of the way that it's made? And when we're doing that, do you think we exclude a lot of people? Because I would say like Worlds, for example, should be an event where we can invite a lot of new people to not just watch League of Legends, but to download the game and learn it, right? Worlds should be like a super accessible uh, event. And instead, the way that we often market and talk about worlds is, oh my god, elite high-level play. Look, we get to see more detailed breakdowns of what's happening than ever, ever before. Whereas I feel like worlds should provide more entry-level options for people who have never played or watched League before, right? Yes, and they have in the past. There have been player beginner streams um, and they get, instead of like analysts and stuff, they often get like other players or personalities and people to, to do those. And from my understanding, they usually perform quite poorly. Um, and you could say that's because they're not the main broadcast and there's a whole other can of worms in there. Um, but I feel like when I watch the world's broadcast, it actually is compared to a lot of the times in the regular season, less super analytically driven. And I feel like it is a lot more focused on narrative and hype and stuff. Kelsey, do you um, have an FM radio on in the background or something? I'm hearing it sounds, it my, sounds like there's a war laptop, broadcast. My laptop just overheats. And I got you. Well, I have a recommendation um, on what you could do for that. But um, ha, ha, ha. The, the, uh, here's one thing I will agree with. I think there are, there are ter there's terminology like strong side, weak side, stuff like that. That is not like that is terminology that is used in the LCS. That is not something that you will generally hear, even just in, in playing League of Legends casually. And I do wish there was more time spent explaining those concepts because I think there's a lot of times where, like, especially if you've turned tuned out from League for a while, you want to come back, and then there's all this like burn of knowledge in terms of some of the the concepts that people use. I would love it if like from time to time. The LCS was just like, and by the way, for those of you, you know, we haven't explained this in a while, but just so you know, like strong sides this, weak sides this, those types of things I think could be helpful for the the casual yes. uh, viewer. But I don't, 
I think the like that's just about sprinkling just the tiniest bit of explanation into the their broadcast. Um, and I think that that's yeah, something I would definitely get behind. I think I think maybe I came like on a little too strong with this take because I think more in general is I would like broadcasters and casters to be more concerned with the longevity of the sport and the entry level uh, content because right now it feels a lot like, and and Mark even kind of conceded to this, it feels a lot like we're trying to, like, who has the biggest brain, you know, who has the most, like, high-level knowledge to an extent, which I think is is almost what, when we're talking about, like, the, the pro highlights and all these types of things are things that we're backpedaling against, right? It's because we would rather have entertainment than all this stuff we would rather be accessible than be like highbrow in my opinion i think uh it's definitely true i think um part of that is also community driven and i don't mean the entire community i think our perception of what our community is is heavily influenced by the fact that like people go on reddit mostly i was about to say it's i feel like it's less coaches kelsey than it is like they want to get rave reviews on reddit and so when somebody comes in and is like oh my god this person's Mm -hmm. so smart you know I would say coaches. I would say coaches and players though have a huge influence. Coaches, players, and casters have a huge influence on Reddit sentiment, right? Yeah. Like if it's it's the snake eating its own tail for sure, right? Yeah. Those casters and redditors. Is there any difference between them? I can't tell. If if a competing caster or a coach with a big following posts a take, it's going to go up on Reddit, and people are going to talk about it. Same with co-streamers, right? Which is whole other can of worms. Um, and so it's like almost this fear of co-streamer criticism that's forcing people to, to have like weirder, higher pressure takes than they would have when I think they should care less about that. And they should care more about like people who are like casually browsing Twitch, casually browsing, you know, uh, websites for esports entertainment, things like that. I, uh. Go ahead, Mark. Here's something. I agree with this. The, what you're saying, I think it's just is. It's one of those things harder done than said. Said hard, whatever the fuck. Because easier those said than done. Are, yeah, because the people who are the ones who you're talking about targeting are the ones who are the least vocal on these platforms, and so like you could be hitting something that 60% of the, the viewer base doesn't know about and appreciates you saying, but that 60% does not comment or talk like the That's... other 40 <laughs> or even 20%. So like when something when you say something that maybe you should have gone into more depth about and you just kind of glanced over it and someone in the community doesn't think that you don't you don't know what you're talking about because you made the conscious choice to just be like an offhanded comment um they're going to tweet about it and this has happened to a number of people (laughs) who i know uh you know that gets tweeted about and then it goes up on reddit and now it's the twitter it's the reddit it's even the pro player community and then you're like it's almost like a, a no, it's not quite cancel culture because no one's trying to get you canceled, you know, but like suddenly you have to go out there and be like, no, 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 what I really meant was this and that, but you know, I have a minute to say my thoughts and like the replay didn't start when I thought it did. And so like I was stumbling over my words a little bit, you know, yeah. like. Or yeah. the, what the, the high stat so, chart with the, what was it? The top laners or somebody well, like that? But, but to my, to, to I mean, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. I, I would say that the solution to these problems though is to be more basic. And yeah. not, um, not like more high level to placate these people, right? So like, be more basic is kind of what I'm saying, and I'm saying this as 
you know, someone who's previously been, ah, but, you know, screw casters and their lack of knowledge, whatever, you know, but that has previously been my brand. And right now at this point, I'm at a point where it's like, you know, I just want you to tell me what uh, auto attacks do and why people like care about cannons and why, you know, we're fighting over a crab and what why crabs matter, you know? Like I just, I just want a super enjoyable, chill experience where we talk about how cool players are and, you know, it's, it's fine. It's fine for me. I think, I think I like that. I also, by the way, I think that there's a great opportunity here for a sponsored segment uh for the broadcast because like state farm does those like i'm helping segments and all that stuff and i think having azale come in like as a voiceover being like it's time for core concepts with state farm uh you know big a lot of you might hear about uh weak side and top strong side or whatever and like this is how that plays out or here's why scuttle crab control is so important or whatever i think that stuff could be uh really cool if they took one of those, those existing sponsor segments and like made that into a thing the past we've done like especially when we had the countdown you could do like a hey here's what strong side weak side means to me or here's what priority is and I, in, in the past we've done those and, like here's what a rift herald swap should look like like here's the team that's doing it well and stuff um and there's just been less room for those but i think the idea that there is too much emphasis given to the analytical side and trying to impress people is is probably true it should be dialed back a little bit um that said, Tony Romo is a guy who got a lot of credit in the, because, <laughs> God, I don't want to, I, I mean, like, I don't know what's going on behind the scenes with traditional sports broadcasts at all, but, like, God, some of the shit they say is so bog standard and boring, and you just have to think that they're mailing it in. Don't give a fuck when you tell me that Tony Gates played basketball in college when he's been graduated for 12 fucking years and has been playing, you know, hasn't probably played basketball seriously in so long. Tony Romo came in and actually dropped knowledge bombs on people about how the game played. People fucking loved him and, like, He's the most highly praised ca uh, you know, a caster, effectively, because he actually knows what he's talking about. I uh... yeah, but I, I guess my problem is is that more people, everyone who is a color caster, tries to be that person who's like constantly dropping knowledge bombs, and I feel like not everyone is that person. It's the same thing problem that I have, I guess, with like League of Legends team content strategy where 10 teams try to strategize to be the team that wins lcs when only one team's gonna do that right yeah. um i feel like there's more opportunity for brand differentiation and more opportunity to acknowledge the fact that different audiences exist man and there are different the... people to cater to and we should have casters that cater to those audiences i think the hardcore fans are already on co-streams anyway so it's kind of like this Maybe it's time to acknowledge that those people, that people that want to hear about the crazy intense things, are probably watching LS or Dom or somebody. I don't know. Uh, all right, Kelsey, thanks so much for the call. Anything you want to shout out? Uh, shout out to ET, obviously. Um, we're in proving grounds, which you know we haven't had any proving grounds takes on the show. And also, uh, Wong Kar Wai is a phenomenal director. It's currently Wong Kar Wai month at American Cinematheque. So, you know, I mean, Mark Z claims to be a, a cinema fan and does not know who this director is, apparently. So if he wants to come watch a movie with me, I'm, I'm down. That's all I have to say. I'm a dumb American. 
I like Bong Joon Ho. He's like the one where I'm like, I know what you do, Kurosawa. You know, like that's that's the level of my my foreign film knowledge. Oh, nice. Boy. All right, Kelsey. Thanks so much for the call. We'll catch you next time. Mark, are you gonna go see this movie with Kelsey? Maybe. It depends when it is. I'm notoriously hard to get to do things, as you know. Yeah. Where I'll tell you I'm in town to get lunch, and then halfway there, make you go take me to McDonald's instead. Yes. Mark one time said he was down to get lunch with me because I was like, "Hey, Mark, I'm going through a lot lately. I need someone to talk to." And he's like, "We can do lunch." And I was like, "Cool." And then we get in the car, and he's like, "Oh." We were gonna, we were gonna do lunch. I thought we were just gonna like go for a walk or something. He's like, I guess I could do a drive-through. <sighs> I need, I need new friends. Okay, uh, wait. Mark doesn't realize that we have a, a ad break, so he's gonna show up here in a second. But let's talk about Game Fuel as their icon shows up in the rotation. So Game Fuel, which Mark forgot, uh, we need to do a conversation for is an amazing product. Uh, you can go check it out at gamefield.com slash Travis. A lot of people have been mentioning it on the show already in these outros um, or saying goodbye. And, and many of them have tried it and enjoyed it. And you can use code Travis to save 5% off your order. Doing so supports the show uh, because Mark, you know, it's, it's I have to keep him here. And uh, in order to do that, I have to pay him. And in order to do that, I have to have revenue and so you helping to make sure that game feel sticks around for another year as we head into our conversations for 2022 uh is very helpful so please give it a try if you haven't already you can just go buy even just a, a single case off of the website it really helps out a lot gamefield.com travis use code travis to save five percent uh i recommend uh the orange storm flavor which i think is fantastic if you like uh, orange soda style flavors, but there's a ton of different stuff there as well. Even classic Mountain Dew. Mountain Dew game fuel, by the way. Please don't confuse it with a different type of fuel that is inferior in the space as some people do. Mountain Dew game fuel. That's the product you're looking for. And you can get it again at gamefuel.com slash Travis. Use code Travis at checkout. Mark. Also, not to be confused with G factor, which is the measurement of the anomalous magnetic dipole moment um, and how much, yeah. Okay, uh, so Blue Frost is here. Blue Frost, where are you calling from? I'm calling from Dallas Fort Worth. Dallas Fort Worth. So, All right. What do you want to talk about on the show? So, this was actually a little bit of a discussion that's going on in the subtopic chat, but the general idea is quite a few of us didn't like the fact that teams are like the bottom, think the bottom teams in the LCS are dragging down the league and that things should be done like either the LCS level or just things against the orgs that are just kind of coasting in LCS and not really bringing up any meaningful results. Biggest example being CLG, but we brought up some ideas about what we could do, what could be done to like keep the bomb teams from dragging the league down. Okay, so first off, which teams are you referring to? Because I think it's important. We draw uh, names on this show. So I'll say CLG is probably the most notable because they've only had one, what, one split where they weren't bottom three. Uh, second would be, I would say Dig, maybe. But the biggest name was CLG, just because they've had the track record of just... So are we only, well, because I think it's like, in, in, in choosing the names, uh, it's important because like, if this is just a CLG take, we should just talk about within the CLG context. But 
uh, if it is Golden Guardians and Golden Guardians or Immortals or yeah team, teams like that, I think it's important to to figure out. So if you are you just exclusively talking about CLG? Uh, CLG is my, the big example, but not specifically CLG. We're talking about the lo- teams that are so name name them. at the bottom. Immortals, GG, Immortals, Golden Guardians, Stick. Those are other okay. Uh, because CLG is the, the biggest offender, really, okay. by a significant margin. So let's just, because there's a new commissioner coming in, so let's just, I for, for fun, let's play this out. So what uh, crimes <laughs> against the LCS the are these guys committing? For. Yeah, yeah. What, oh. are you, you, what are you, you're sending them an email and you're saying you're failing in these areas. What areas are they failing in? I would say, first off, just consistently poor results. Okay. Like, you're just saying at the bottom. And then... Two, you're co- really not taking the LCS super seriously. You're not you're not doing enough to really get your name out there. And it just shows that you kind of just don't care. Okay, so do you mean like they're not spending enough on brand building? That could be one thing. Again, I'm trying to... Well, so really because like here's the thing. You're... You're asking for an action to be made against these teams, and I just think it's like I, I, I'm not even saying I disagree that like there needs to be more pressure on some teams, but I hear a lot of people talk ambiguously about like something should be done, and I'm always like, well, what is the complaint? Is it is it poor performance? Is it brand building? Like where if if you are, it's like an employee, right? Like whenever you if you have an employee that you think is underperforming. Generally speaking, you don't fire them right away. You need to go to them and say, like, here are the areas where you are underperforming. Uh, you need to get better in this these ways. And so I, I think oftentimes the community fails to come up with, like, concrete examples or concrete areas where these teams are underperforming. So I know you said, like, competitively you feel they're underperforming. That's the biggest one. Second, I would say second, honestly, brand building would be a good one. I don't, I don't, I would, I'm not trying to speak for a significant amount of the league, but it's really hard to remember like you no know, what does immortals do what does golden guardians do like what like what's your story why should i follow you yeah and although my perspective is i very much look at the league as a you know competition first which is why i say performance is the biggest issue that if you're like, like if teams are just fielding veteran players like mostly veterans like come on there, are they? Who no on Immortals and in and Golden Guardians are veterans? Immortals, we had. Off the top of my head, I know we had Darkseid was the big veteran, but in the past they had players like Smithy, they had Ika, who was in like spent years in European regional leagues. Yeah, and... I guess I I so I I'm curious about this year because I felt like uh. E- the thing that got me excited about what Golden Guardians and Immortals were doing this year was that they were taking risks on new talent, was my perspective. And you were suggesting that they were mostly veterans. No, that was still, that was CLG. Like, gotcha. if we, we get some advice to CLG. I'm, and there was just a really big discussion about it. But but in terms of things that could be done, some ideas we had was, one that I had was take the summer split and you'd split the league into two tiers. The top five teams and the bottom five, as an example, and then the top say the top five teams would only play each other, so that summer, so that those teams are fighting harder to build 
three competitive teams that can do well at Worlds. Because in my opinion, that's the purpose of summer. Like get let's get three teams that could theoretically make a run at Worlds. And I just think if they're spending time playing against orgs that like the bomb orgs, which I also think the floor of the LCS is very, very low. We have there are bottom teams that you could farm wins on by being with like you can get away with bad strategy, you can get away with they doing nothing early and waiting for the team to fall on itself. And overall that just brings a lot of teams down. So sorry if I'm like really trying to get more specific, but I'm but because the discussion in the chat was so broad, I'm deciding to focus more on the competitive skill of the league and the fact that a lot of the bottom teams that tend to just coast around and at the bottom of the standings are detrimental to the league's development. So here's here's where I uh, I'll let Mark wake up a little bit uh, as I as I answer this. I'm, a, I'm awake. I listen to this whole topic. Um, I, I'm you, you've been the one talking. I'm I'm ready. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, here I'll say I'll say one thing. I think there needs to be a differentiation between CLG and the other teams uh, because go, you, you mentioned Golden Guardians. The core of Golden Guardians just from 2021, or sorry, 2020, just won the entire split, right? And you can say, oh, well, they won on 100 Thieves or whatever, but there's a reason why uh, that that team was basically bought out sans top lane from last year to this year. Like that team did a good job of developing talent and early signs point to that they'll, they'll do it again. I think Immortals had a very respectable summer split. Uh, obviously they bombed out in, in playoffs and I don't think people had too many high hopes for them, but like they had some really great moments. And I think, again, there are players on that team who people will be excited about. Uh, I know I reference this all the time. I really need to find the take and the caller from last year because I think it was so great. But in the off season of last year, somebody said CLG would be the bar that the other teams have to beat. Um, and in order to prove that it makes sense to get to to build new players up for the league and not go with the like just pick up veterans and I'm pretty sure everybody vaulted that bar uh, for the most part this year so uh, that's that's I think why I I I'm less on the brand building side I'm disappointed by Golden Guardians I'm disappointed by Immortals I'm disappointed by a lot of these teams. I think it's also really difficult to brand build whenever you have a development team. So I understand there's a big challenge there, but sometimes it kind of feels like some of the teams kind of like throw their hands up in the air and say like, eh, well, it's a development team. People aren't going to care. So we're not going to try to do a whole lot of crazy shit. But brand um, development team. What's that? Uh, so, so it sounds like what you're saying on that front is the teams that are having their identity around developing players and building up the future aren't like what sounds like you said was golden guardians wasn't doing enough to yeah like, sell I, their rookie players if, if golden guardians wants to be the team that is like always finding the best players and then they sell those teams or those players to other other teams once they've gotten good enough like that's kind of boring it sucks that golden guardians is not going to develop a ton of fans in the league but hey they're feeding the next talent that are going to be amazing up to the top leagues and perhaps perhaps they'll be like our first seed for worlds the following year or whatever you know i guess they're not first seeds anymore but you get the point like i i'm i'm more worried about teams like clg where it's like okay what did you bring to the league this year like you didn't bring any brand 
You didn't develop players. You just sort of flopped with a bunch of players that people liked and instead turned into a meme because you've got pictures of Wild Turtle not smiling and stuff like that. So I, that's, I think, why I, I'm less worried about all the other teams. I, I mean, I do think there should be some more pressure on, on folks like Immortals in particular but uh, and maybe Dig, but but I do think that uh, that I don't know. I I I think CLG is the the, the biggest offender here. Mark? Yeah, th- yeah, they've gotten so much flack, and I, I don't even, I'm not even sure it'd be a hot take to say, hey, just kick CLG out of the LCS. Who knows? That might not even be the hottest take anymore. But with the format, the, we could like I think spring and summer have two different identities. Well, I don't. Hang on, I don't want to go too far, especially because we're pretty over time now. I don't want to go too far into the format stuff, and I apologize, but it took a bit to, to get to that. Mark, why don't you you share your take on all this stuff? I don't know. I, I think he hit everything perfectly. Sounds you like he wants to go to sleep. Anything else to add, Mark? I, okay, so, I mean, the problem is you have to look at this year, and I feel like, to your point, a lot of teams probably just signed veterans and tried to build roster a bunch of old ways. This year was cool because, Travis's point, a bunch of teams had different approaches to building their rosters this time around and i think the whole like take a bunch of mid-level veterans and pay too much for them and, and not do anything significant which is what happened with clg this year is is like pretty much dead and realistically teams just don't have the resources to compete like there's very little other than ha- catching lightning in a bottle that immortals can do to compete with team liquid hundred thieves cloud nine people who are like literally buying the best talent available and jamming them all in one roster like unless you really fucking get lucky, it's just not going to happen. So to hold Immortals up to the same standard when their budget's not there is just not fair. It, it isn't. Economics matter. So I, I don't have anything to say about that other than like I'm, I'm much happier with these teams this year. Sure, they can level up on the content approach or maybe you can say that they had bad drafts or they should have hired this guy instead of that guy. Like, you know, what about Mad Lions? Yeah, I mean, good for them. They... How many years did it take them to to build that up, though? This was the first year for this roster of players, I mean, to to Peter's point. Um, a lot of those guys were there for multiple years. They swapped out a couple players as well. Like, it takes time to build a roster. That's what I mean. I mean, it, they for, were held back by a coach that I think made it so that's the first time a team, you know, major region team did not get out of plans. So, yeah, like, that kill, that's kill what it is. So it's like, you, look at, you look at teams like Mad Lions and you just have to – make a coaching change to, to really level up, you know? Yeah. Uh, God, I, I got now that you're talking about Peter, my bad. Um, but <laughs> to that point, I think like, you know, building a roster takes time. So like, let's say a revenge and these people develop or a blaze all of, so we're not just tunneling on, on immortals. Like they can develop and then more players all, you, you get a couple other players that you were missing because those ones didn't develop or whatever. Um, yeah, that's absolutely a route you can go. But when you're starting from square one, like I said, unless it's lightning in a bottle and you're Griffin or something, like you're not just going to pop off your first year. So I don't look at Immortals off this first year and go, wow, why couldn't they compete with this other thing? This is to maybe Travis's point in another video about there's too much turnover and yada, yada, yada. You can get down a whole rabbit hole. Um, I don't know. I don't really have a strong opinion on this. I just don't want that format. That format doesn't make sense because you scrim, you don't scrim the teams you're playing that week. And so if you if you shrink the pool of, of who you're playing on stage, you shrink the pool of who you can practice against and you don't practice against those top teams you practice against the other teams so you don't want to lose on those stage games so your 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 format's self-defeating um anyways that's another rabbit hole that i don't really want to get down because it's 9 17 let's get out of here 
Blue Frost, thank you so much for the call. Anything you want to shout out? Oh, uh, one thing about Game Fuel is I wish they had more of the Tropical Strike flavor, the, like the mango flavor. Oh, that one's kind of sleeper. Yeah, oh, they don't have it? it. Are they sold out right now on the no. site? Uh, no, at least I know when I get it off Amazon or try to order on Amazon, it always takes longer. Have you for some reason? Have you tried GameFuel.com? I think I I haven't yet, just because I don't like paying for shipping personally, and at least we lost on Amazon. I guess same day. You can uh, you can use code Travs to save five percent. That might help you out. Um, Alright, we'll take a crack at that. Okay. Well, especially if you're ordering uh, large amounts at a single time, then like maybe it makes more sense. Okay. Uh, thank you so much, Blue Frost, for the call, and uh, we'll catch you next time. All right, I'm good. See you. Thanks. Have a good one. All right, that is the show. Mark Zimmerman, what do you have to shout out here at the end? Nothing. Let's go. Mark, anything? What? About? I I did you not hear me? Did that come come through? It did, but you said nothing. Um. And I was hoping for something. Shout out myself. I'm the shit. (sighs) All right, everyone. Thanks so much for watching. We will not have an episode next week. Enjoy your week off, Mark. Enjoy your week off, listeners and callers. And we'll see you uh, the week of the 20th. It should be on the 20th uh, that we'll be seeing all of you as we uh, return and are hopefully ready to start talking about group straw and all that kind of cool stuff. I don't know when it's happening, but soon enough. Thanks everyone for, for listening. Uh, there is, if you are missing this show next week, we do have an episode of rift reaction coming out, which will be a big interview with Santorin, uh, as he goes off to worlds. So maybe you can listen to that instead. Thanks everyone. This has been hotline league episode 188. <laughs>